everybody, and welcome to episode 554 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparis, coming to you from the Daniel Evans Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash lasertime and join us at the $20 level, or at any level under that, down to $5 if you just want extra shows. Yeah, man. Uh, who's like joining the me? the ordering show. Yes. The ranking show. The ordering show. We'll soon. get to that in a second, but first, who's talking? Uh, R.I.P. Andre Brower, Chris Antista. And look who's talking now, Matthew Allen. I don't know what? why I do use that. <laughs> yeah. 30 so, 10 fan. We just had to talk about it. What a terrible Did you really? Movie. I didn't even yeah. hear that. And yet, it seems... Terrible it's movie. So this is, this is the first of two parts of mm. our Games of the Year for 2023. Go team! Uh, we wait all year long to, to do this show and try to plan it out carefully and then have to rush at the last minute as we get a bunch of people together. A bunch, a rotating panel of hosts to talk about each game. That mm-hmm. it, and this is going to be our bottom five. Not, not bottom five Games of the Year, but bottom five of our top ten games of the year and if you want to find out the how bottoms. we you could call this one the bottoms the, the, the bottoms <laughs> the bottoms and yeah. then next week will be the tops yeah sure but if you want to find out how we decided to order these and split them up we have a show that is going to come out in what like a week or two called the ordering for patrons only patreon.com slash laser time uh you go there and you can listen to us deliberate and argue for like two hours yeah. about how what order 10 games should be talked about in yeah and this is the what third fourth year we've done this right of the ordering show mm. and actually it's something it's become one of my favorite traditions of the year because these shows are great and and why because you manipulate and, everybody and no fuck around no and play you did that with this year no, because no, because no. matt can complicate the process which used to be just decided purely by votes and now it's Decided by votes, and then we talk about it, the it's three a bit of us like deliberate. democracy in America. This uh-huh. is the outright voting couldn't possibly work. No, no, no. We need this weird proxy thing <laughs> oh, in the oh, middle. Check this, Matt. It's a bit like deciding what college football team goes to the final four. It's not right. necessarily There's a the much smaller team. committee. A smaller committee that, that, that shout out to my that. hometown team and alma mater. Well, let me give a shout out to a listener from last year's show. Just a little quick promo. So Matt Baldwin on the Patreon gave us a lovely compliment. He says, I love how the order flowed and how the conversation took form. This was a much better listen than any other top 10 of the year from any other podcast that I am subscribed to. Wow. Matt Baldwin, heck of a compliment. We hope to live up to that with this this year's ordering show, which I think might have gone even smoother. Yeah, that was a, this was a fun one. It was a fun yeah, one to record. Yeah. So uh, Matt Baldwin is also my mother. I should say that uh, <laughs> she very much enjoyed. She said it was the best podcast she's ever heard. Right, right. right. Mama Antista, better known mm-hmm. as Matt Baldwin. Matt Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's going to be a fun show. Uh, we are, of course, just coming off the heels of. The Game Awards, which has sparked all kinds of debate at like every stage from whether one of the games we're going to talk about is indie or not to whether this is supposed to be a platform for industry recognition. Yeah, we actually talk about it quite a bit on the ordering show. Mm -hmm. We we try to contextualize, you know, where we end up versus what the Game Awards. You you talk a lot about what it was like to see Gonzo in person. Live Muppetry. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes. That we talk about. I don't know that we talk too much about seeing 
All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey in person. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then my cool. arch nemesis, the, the celebrity, I don't know why I've just decided not to like Timothy Chalamet. Like, uh-huh. there's just something about him that bugs me. Is it, is it was... you, you didn't like his uh, Xbox controller modding channel? That's what it is. That's yeah. exactly what it, it is. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. I mean, if you're not, if you're going to have that kind of channel and not just mod Dukes all day long, what are you doing with your life? Let's be mm, honest. Fair so. point. You got to see, he just hosted SNL and he was fucking great. He's a really good host. I'm sure I he guess. is. He's, he's got a charming presence. He, that's, that's the thing. He, he looks like a, a waif, but then, uh, he's, he's actually a cool dude. He's, uh, he's, he's got, he's got, a, he's got a man's eyebrows and that's mm. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knock you down with those fucking eyebrows, man. But yeah, but he, he did announced the game of the year for the game awards oh, but damn. not us not on this show we're doing no. the bottoms we're doing no, our, our no i can promise you uh no timothy chalamet on this show we do have a a <laughs> star-studded panel we'll reveal them as they join up but um mm-hmm. yeah why don't why don't we get into it with our number 10 That's it. <laughs> it's a bit long, but this game has some of the best music of the year. What is yep. it? Sea of Stars. Oh, sea sea of stars. stars. Yeah, I'm leveling up. Look at me, Ma. And the mana. Yeah, everybody level up. See what your new stats are. Man. Uh, uh, wait, okay. So who's joining us for this one? Yeah, who's joining us? Okay, hey, it's uh, Tony Wilson from Framework Video. Framework! Where can people find that? That's youtube.com slash Framework Video. Mm. And Brendan. Hello, I'm Brendan Hesse. I am a freelance games journalologist yeah. uh, currently at GameSpot and uh, I also do videos youtube.com slash the crawl the crawl I'm in one you should watch it Sea of Stars uh, this is sea a stars. fantastic game the follow up to The Messenger by um, that studio that I don't have in Sabotage nice. <laughs> uh, and Chris you were you were really passionate about this one uh matt and i didn't get I, very far in it but you well one is so in insistent. history we're gonna have to write the biggest thing about this game is it is the first game to simultaneously launch on day one on game pass and playstation plus i couldn't avoid this game no. <laughs> and mm. and and right around the time it came out nintendo announced and is pimping mario rpg i'm like oh i can't wait to play mario rpg what's that you say about sea of stars uh a truly updated Super Mario RPG mm-hmm. mixed in with say it, they share a lot of DNA mixed in with Chrono Trigger sprites and story and uh, it's it's definitely old school so I'm I'm like if you haven't if I'm not a broken record I tend to prioritize new experiences to throwbacks but like how could I not download this and try it everyone's swearing by the story and the pacing and the combat and it was. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, exactly what I wanted that, more. It's the perfect see, length of time. That's one of the reasons I was so down on this game at first is I, I, yeah, I'm sort of like you. I have a bias on these shows toward innovation and newer experiences where I had played, I think, I don't know, Chris, did, if you played The Messenger, I know Michael and I both played The Messenger and, and probably finished it. And so I, I was it. really looking forward to this because I love The Messenger because The Messenger does something really cool at one point yeah, in The Messenger. And swerve. I just remember... 
it does mm-hmm. it does a big swerve and i remember being very disappointed when i was playing sea of stars like when when's the swerve when's gonna the happen swerve? and there was no swerve it's, and then, i mean so getting into m night Shyamalan expectations yeah. Yeah. If it helps, Matt, they do. They are actually set in the same universse. I don't know if that's the swear you're looking for. <gasps> yeah, but, uh, lore yeah. outside of what you see in a game interests me not at all. Like, <laughs> okay, fuck fair. that shit. <laughs> <laughs> to the, I will say to the old school comment, though, it is definitely it takes its cues from the old school, but it also yeah. learns lessons yep. from the old oh, school. Of course, yeah, yeah. It, it's like an things, update of that, of that yeah, style. Like, you know? One of the things that stands out to me, and we talked about the pacing, um, a lot of that to me comes from just the way the actual like maps are designed. Because mm-hmm. one thing about older RPGs, and this is a trend that we even still see today a lot, right? Like maps are just big for the sake of being big, you yeah. know, for the sake of. Whereas this this type of game like, was meant to be sixty hours, and this is just like thirty. Yeah, perfect and which length. is honestly, yeah, that that's kind of that's where I would like an RPG to be. Yeah, never wears out like, its welcome. There is not there are, there isn't wasted space on those maps. Like everything's either taking you to a chest, taking you along the critical path. Or taking you to something relevant to a side quest. You're not. You are not going to get lost or wander around for hours in any of these overworld maps in any of the dungeons. And I think that's great. The dungeons take cues from like Zelda, like with like kind of oh, central that, mechanics in each one. Yeah. The puzzles are so wonderfully too. Zelda-esque. There was only one thing I ever ever needed to look up, and I really. I think that's that's part of. Game. I don't want a hard puzzle. <laughs> I want you to make me feel smart and. Sea of Stars ended up doing that in between great timing-based tactical multiplayer and fucking awesome music. I was going to say, the the feel make me feel smart thing, a lot of that for me comes from combat because the yeah. to, 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 like, to talk about it, the, the yeah. central kind of combat mechanic here is when people get their like super strong attacks ready, they get these icons above their head, and it's basically, hey, hit me with these kinds of attacks before I count down, and you'll you'll negate my turn. I will negate to, that. I won't there, get to well, cast that spell. Or, or you might kill them outright. Which is yeah, like, yeah, and part of the challenge then, sometimes a lot of the times is okay. I have two turns to hit him yeah. with all these different damage How types. Do do sometimes yeah. multiple times. How do I do it? And yeah. I think that is such a cool like. Yeah. To have that sort of tactical strategy in the middle of what otherwise could just be spam the special attack kind of mm. combat is awesome. Because the game even tells you, if, well, hey, your uh, stuff replenishes between battles. Just spam those well, specials. If, if Go it was for just it. that, I think it'd be cool, but not special. So there's that. Then they layer on this other like live magic system, which is like as you combat, hit enemies, what little like combat bits fly combat? out of them. Yeah, you, like if you, absorb if you use those your, things, and if then you use your default attack, attack, you can knock up to three bonus mm-hmm. elements Little out orbs. of the enemies. And yeah, you can, yeah. as one character, suck up one of them, or you can suck up all three, and it'll enhance whatever you're doing, and it always gives you magic points. You There's also take a, a combo system, like, as, if you do the Mario RPG thing of, like, blocking at the right time or hitting at the right time, it builds this combo meter yep. that unlocks new attacks. So it's basically, like, yeah. taking that Mario RPG combat, or, like, the Mario and Luigi handheld games, yeah. if you will, and, like, refining it and updating it and giving it like extra layers and that to me when i finally got it i went oh okay so the cool thing about this game is what they do with turn-based combat it's not just like oh you know turn-based combat by its nature is supposed to be a bit tactical like okay should i heal now should i do this it's like it net it does that then it adds these fun like timing based mini games and all these it just gives you so many choices yeah. where it's just like yeah. every a, a, every a encounter things, is a little puzzle. A billion things to build up dynamically and while you're doing other stuff. It, it's like every time like Octopath Traveler is great and like I believe you. 
I believe <laughs> that's a good version of that gameplay. I yeah. don't need it. And I don't C- need it at all. And also in Sea of Stars, like, really flashy uh, Chrono Trigger-style specials, yeah. like, combos between characters, which are fun. And another thing that stood out for me, uh, and I, I've got to imagine some of you guys picked up on this, too... The overworld exploration, the you you there's I don't want to use the word Metroidvania because that's a bit over that's a bit strong of a statement for what it is, but you get some key items as you go, and you the way you use those in the overworld to me felt a lot like Golden Sun. The way you would use yeah, huh. your in combat spells in the overworld, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's, it, there aren't spells that you can use in both, but the way you manipulate objects, it really felt like oh I use the wind magic to do this, I use the you know, the, the grappling hook to do this, and it was yeah. really cool to see those used in the overworld. I nominate yeah, Bren- Brendan to talk more about yeah. Golden Sun. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that this game has some of the best dungeon and overworld puzzle design yeah, in man. a turn-based RPG like that since yes. Golden Sun and Lufia 2. I mean, these those two games... Lufia 2 like, or Lufia as well? Yeah. <laughs> Lufia, <laughs> Lufia, Lufia the second. Um, <laughs> Lufia uh, Jr. Yes. Um, those games... Like that's the type of thing that you'll you know you'll hear like a YouTuber be like I found this game from like the SNES era with these amazing dungeons that no one's ever copied. Well, guys, they finally did it. They yep. finally <laughs> did it. Um, and like the uh, if you like Zelda and you're like I'm not really big on 2D you know or uh, on turn-based combat, but you like Zelda and you like yep. the the overworld exploration that stuff. There's that's a lot of that in here. Um, and, Story and characters uh, of Chrono Trigger, gameplay of Paper Mario, Super Mario RPG, and puzzles in Dungeons Zelda. Yeah, G- get it? It's free right now. If you have any of those services, with yeah. your sub, with your, it's. With it, your sub. I I would. A lot of people and myself included, uh, kind of compare not compare, but like put these games in the same category. Put this game in the same category as uh, Chained Echoes, which came mm-hmm. out at the tail mm-hmm. end of last year. Another and excellent was, game. Yeah. Incredible. I, 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 last year, I think on this podcast, I said Tunic was my game of the year, but then mm-hmm. retroactively, I changed that and it was Chained <laughs> Echoes because I played that after we recorded. He's, he's but, got um, two Nicks. The but I would say <laughs> Nick as would, well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but like, I think ultimately, Chained Echoes' story uh, hit me a lot harder than this game did. But the reason I stuck with this game was just because it's fun to play. The combat's fun. It feels so good to hit those combos, to do that, you know, to get those those extra magic orbs that Tony was talking about. It's just a lot of fun, and it's a lot. It's a really charming game. The setting of being like this tropical archipelago. It, mm-hmm. It's like yeah. it's it, it's also kind of like Chrono Cross in that way, but mm. um, a lot more cheerful and not as nihilistic as the uh, back half of, of Chrono it Cross. Is, so, um, it is modern in a million senses, but it's also funny. Highlighted yeah. in my notes yes. is traversing islands. You awaken these enormous statues that put you in a ball and throw you. Oh, they're yeah. called they're called yeats. <laughs> yep. They're, yeah, yeah. The, the first time I met one of those, it's just like yeah, one of the party members says its name by accident, and it moves so fast. It just like <laughs> slams the thing down on him, picks him up, and throws him into the distance. There's a yeah. billion little unique moments like that that they they do within a framework that isn't that much more advanced than the Super Nintendo, even though it is. There's all these little tiny lighting flourishes on everything that wasn't even possible on the Saturn. It's a a really well-constructed game. The lighting, I just got to nerd out about the lighting for a second. Mm -hmm. So this game, it uses pixel sprites, right? But the lighting isn't baked in like a lot of pixel sprites. It's actually like cast light Mm -hmm. and it allows the the sprite work to look so much richer and more dynamic yeah. than you are what solstice you would get. warriors you will manipulate the moon and the sun and change yeah. 
the trajectory of light. And it, and it really plays into that, and you get so many cool effects, and like the, just like the effects on the water and stuff. It, yeah. It's so subtle, but it, it does so much to create, like, it, it's not just a retro th- throwback. Yeah, because it, 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 it takes some of those tropes in such fun way, like, in such fun directions to where, you know, I guess we'll try to avoid spoilers for the most part, so I'll keep this one vague, but the method by which, you know, every RPG, you get a boat so you can cross the islands, and then you eventually get an airship so you can reach other parts. So, like, that's every RPG, that's not a spoiler. The method by which you get your boat in this one, I love that. I've never seen yeah. it done that way. And then the method by which you are able to fly, I have genuinely never seen a JRPG do it in that, that way, and it is a blast. There's a moment in there, I spoiled it for Michael and Matt, that it's... I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners, but it's like my favorite moment in the game. It occurs by when you reach the Sea of Stars. I don't know why it's there. I don't know. It's to t- it's to swerve you. It's to make you think like, oh shit, they're pulling a messenger, and then they don't. Fuck well, it, it's. I mean, they're definitely pulling a chrono trigger. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, <laughs> there's there's swerves really in fun. this, but they're like they're not like the big gameplay swerve. They're, they're narrative they're, swerves. There's narrative well, that, swerves. As a non, sure. as a non spoiler, I remember Michael was playing it before I did, mm-hmm. and it's like. Uh, uh, the friend kid who gets his eye knocked out. Oh, I saw that. Oh, oh, I thought had, for sure they were ahead of time to be the big yeah. bad. In the game. I did want to ask like, how you guys felt about Garl because there's a lot of I love, love for him, but then there's people who are like, it's like too much. He's too much of an angel. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, like, well, I, like, I, I thought the they were saying like, like to be a bad guy. Yeah, and then, I, I and then when I kept playing, I'm like, oh, he's he's the goodest guy. Optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of the robo. He's the robo of the group. And and again, I'll keep my reasons for saying that vague. He's like, yeah, he's sort you know? of their mascot. You know, he's yeah. just like, yeah, I'm happy to be here, just happy to cheer you guys Relentlessly yeah. positive. And, and I'll, I'll say, like, like, yeah, like Matt, I was expecting, like, oh, shit, they're, they're separating them. They're not going to see him for 10 years. He's going to be bitter. He's going to blame them for it. And then, like, he just, like, pops out and, like, hey, it's me, guys. We could, and, and, like, the characters, like, run and hug him. And I wanted to do the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, this is such an awesome moment. He, he also has a banger theme. Like, his theme is just very uh, pleasant and fun and uplifting to listen I, it's to. It's my favorite name of the entire year. Garl. Garl? Garl. I'm trying to remember, like, what's his name? Glart? What the? <laughs> I, I, I kept sitting down and trying to scream it like Andrew Lincoln in Walking Dead. Exactly. just came Garl. out as girl. Garl? Well, no. Garl? I got, and and I want to say, like, as you're mentioning his Garl. theme and just music, for me, and I had to, I was trying to remember which one it was. But the Lake Docaria theme for me—that's the winner. Like as far as the soundtracks, and I don't know if I don't know if there's an opportunity to play it at all, Michael, for for what you're doing here. If not, it's fine. But I recommend people if you're into the Sea of Stars theme and you're like, it, or you're into the Sea of Stars soundtrack, Lake Docaria—that is to me, oh, it the maybe, instrumentation on that. Maybe as you listen to us talking, maybe it, you'll think you're hearing it in the background. We yeah. can't verify if it'll be there oh, wow. or not. <laughs> One thing to say about the soundtrack is just that some of the uh, tracks were written uh, by Yasunori Mitsuda, who did, uh, he's done Xenoblade, did Chrono Cross, oh, wow. all that all that sort of stuff. So Pretty it's, nice. um, you know, there's, the his tracks do kind of stand out, not in a bad way. It's just like, oh, that's a Mitsuda that's him. track. Yeah. That's him. Um, yeah. But so yeah, my, overall, it's... My biggest recommend great. on this thing is like, if you are a younger person who didn't live through 16-bit yeah. RPG years and kind of have always wondered what the hype is about and maybe don't want to go back and because there's a lot of bullshit you got to put up with those like 
this will kind of give you the same vibes and feeling we all had back then like but it's just very streamlined for you so like i'd say it's a good place to start it might be a good gateway drug into 16-bit jrpgs Mm, like well and yeah and we were talking about like the combat how fun that is and i was thinking like yeah 16-bit and even 32-bit jrpgs like there was always a point where like the combat starts to feel like a chore and like, mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. want to explore this fucking dungeon. Can I not run into a random encounter every 30 yeah, seconds? The combat in here is something I actively seek out. Like, oh shit, yeah, there's yeah. a monster. I'm going to go kill it. Well, they don't they don't throw too many monsters at you either, which is nice. Like yeah, within the true. dungeons, it's very manageable. And then once you've beaten the monsters in, in a given area, I don't think they ever respawn. They, they do, they but do. it takes like multiple it takes long time. screen transitions. It's, it might be the, the longest load time I've experienced on the PS5 the whole year. Because if you leave the zone entirely and come back, that is two load screens. It's about two minutes worth of load screens. But you can tell, like, their whole approach, like, they're anti-grinding. Like, you don't need to yeah, grind. Yeah, they, don't want you, they yeah, clearly yeah, don't want you to grind. And you and don't fucking need to. They, you don't even need to. It says at the beginning of the game, like, you don't even need to hit the, the action inputs. Like, you can play this game and get through it entirely without getting right. that extra damage boost from those action they'll, inputs. Yeah, so they'll help. They have the, the they, combo. You yeah. have and can unlock all these modifiers. They're, the one that, like... I didn't use, but I was like, am I going to have to want to use that? The one where you, you know, where you auto heal and mm. all your mana yeah. replenishes at the I, end I of every battle. I did that one just because it's like, I don't mind managing health during combat, but like afterward, right, I, I always forget. And so it's yeah. like, yeah. I'll just have it do it for me. Isn't, isn't that one of the systems, maybe I'm misremembering, when you connect with a melee hit, it recharges your mana points too. Like that's, that's by how default. you build yes. up my, yeah. mana that's points. That's by default. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the only one of those modifiers I it, left it, on. There where is you, one you where can, it makes a starburst when you. Yes, it, I recommend leaving that on because yes. it's the best way to learn where your time, your perfect timing is. There's also yeah. one where I think you unlock it pretty late, but there's also one where it basically turns it into a sudden death mode. Where oh, if you do, you have yeah. to time your blocks correctly or you die. But oh. conversely, you kill enemies in like one go. So but, but if you're a, yeah. a completionist, there's a fucking parrot you can turn on in that same menu that'll squawk yes. when you're next to hidden yeah, shit. Yeah. And, and if you want to cool see the true ending, you have to do some of that, which it's worth it's worth going for. Is it's it? I didn't ending. bother. I didn't want to it's collect the abso- It's absolutely It's worth, worth going to YouTube to watch the secret ending so you don't need to go back and do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to also... Okay, you can watch... You can, That's fair, but you should also watch the beginning of where that... Because it's, like it's like a whole epilogue. It's not yeah. just an ending. And it is very it 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 uh, if you like Garl, you'll like it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's it's it it's definitely worth playing. And also, it's more of that gameplay. So if you like the gameplay, I mean, and uh, Tony and I did. So like, yeah, second game this year where one of your sidekicks uh, loses an eye. What the hell? Mm. Final Fantasy sixteen in this. True, true, yeah, true. Um, I also want to give Gav's it props. an amazing character. Love him and Gavin mm. Garl. Who knew? Glorious. Two best characters of the year. Uh, you put them together, you get Glark or whatever Michael said. <laughs> Glark, earlier. Garvel. Gavar. Garvel. Yeah, there you go. Um, Gargamel. You get Gargamel. I also want to give it props because uh, I, I've, like, on record as saying in a lot of games, I can't stand fishing. I just mm. find it to be, like, boring. <laughs> Their fishing frustrating. game is awesome. The fishing in this is, like, this has been the year that's made me reconsider that. Like, it's a the good fishing, fishing has been good. Game. Dredge's entire loop being built around fish fishing made me question that. It has that, like, diver's entire loop. keep the fish like, in, right? Where it's yeah, like, like, hey, it's, if you keep them in here, it'll exactly. reel in faster. Yeah. It really is a fun, lot of fishing this year. Yeah. Huh? It, yeah. It's made me rethink my my thoughts on it. Uh, truly, um, so yeah. If, if that's something that bugs you, it's not. It's actually really enjoyable in this game. It is also part of the secret ending. <laughs> like I, really? again, yeah. Like it is. It's it's a an important key moment in that. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 done really well. It's a lot better than Animal Crossing fishing. I gotta say that. Yep. Mm. How dare you? <laughs> yep. More interactive, more dynamic, yeah. and just it, it it is also Super. important to do just because. Item management is just so simple. You can cook anything from like anything you find. You shouldn't really be at a loss for it. If I gr- I grinded ground a sure. little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit. Never needed uh, anything. Grundled. Yeah. I grundled. Yeah, you grundled. Mm-hmm. I definitely grundled. Mm-hmm. I got up in that grundle, mm-hmm. got my grundle again, and uh, just plenty of wheat, plenty of eggs. It's just so easy to craft stuff at a fire. It's just so welcoming. Whereas most RPGs that are throwbacks are not. And you get you get that like it's not a party member, but you get like a camp companion yep. who will just like, yeah, give you more girl. lore yeah. if you want it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah Teach, baby, that's what I need. Love it. See you, stars. More Play it. You get it for free right now. Right. No extra charge if you're a Game Pass or PS Plus extra subscriber. That's true. I do want to go out on uh, the dialogue with the. You remember the Elder Mist early on character? Yes. yes. Yeah, I could love that thing. How did they give a cloud a mustache? Well, why did they <laughs> make made him... of clouds? He's Italian. Like the the sound that he makes when he when he talks. Let, let's see if it's audible here. Not that. Yeah, the horrible. So he's a cloud, yes, and when he talks, it sounds like farting, like yeah. a very <laughs> low, <laughs> silent fart. Uh, yeah, love it. Uh, Love what do your farts sound like, buddy? What the hell? Like that, exactly. <laughs> they do. They, sa- they sound like Ugh, Elliot. Someone released an elder yeah. mist in here. Yeah, yeah, Michael's exactly. farts sound like Elliot speaking to Pete and Peach Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Farting like Charlie Brown adults. Yeah, my like, farts sound like Charlie Brown adults. <laughs> like the dog with an Italian <laughs> accent. <laughs> that dog with the Italian accent. Yeah. Pretty great. Another great thing. Oh, I love that. Oh, yes, I love that. I've been showing everyone in my office that dog, usually to their annoyance, but I love Huskies, and now there's an Italian one <laughs> with a discernible accent. <laughs> Remember, I had to go to Italy to have that realization. I'm like, come here, come here. And then like his owner does something like, this dog speaks Italian. He lives in Venice. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. It's <laughs> literally like going from wolf to a wolf. It's there. It's literally, you hear it. It's amazing. <laughs> the French Huskies say les wolf. It's all there. Oh. <laughs> Don Bluth wasn't making that shit up, people. Like, he knew mm-hmm. it was up. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Sacre bark. All right. Let's move along to... Number nine. The order is gone and I am free. You're not free, Dagon. You're alone. Why are you here when your true enemy is out there? How could you let the galaxy fall to this unworthy machine of an empire? You think yourself a survivor, but you are a failure. That's right. Bringing this into Star Wars Jedi Failure. Uh, <laughs> Jedi Survivor, of course. Who's joining us for this segment? This is Steve Guntley, a BD1 super fan. Awesome. <laughs> and where can people hear more of you? Oh, man, you can you can hear too much of me lately. Uh, you can hear me sometimes actually appearing with uh, Chris Antista and hey. J.R. Rawls and Diana Goodman on um, uh, uh, 80s In-Depth, which you can find on the Laser Time Patreon network. Ever heard of it? Um, and you can find me on, uh, my own shows, uh, Cinemarcade or Puppet Masters Castle Freaks. One of them is about movies and the video game adaptations of those movies. And mm. the other is about B movies, uh, uh, Puppet Master, Castle Freaks, uh, Trancers, Reanimator, all of those from, uh, Charles. Charles Band, Band Extravaganza. Absolutely. Oh, 
I, th- I think B movie might be generous for some of those that you just called out there. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're like, D minus at most. Yes, but they're yes, like they're yeah. shiny fucking B movies, though. I love those fucking movies. Oh yeah. And and uh, our other special guest who's joining us? This is uh, Chris Baker, most Woo! relevant to this particular game, the author of X Wings, Lightsabers, and Scorpion Vader, celebrating forty years of Star Wars vid- video games, which you can access for your Kindle via scorpionvader.com. Mm-hmm. Good and Christmas present for the dork in your life. Yes. Yeah, if, if it's, you know, I never got around to a hard copy. That would have been better for Christmas. You can still but, gift uh, you something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think. Four ninety nine. Nice. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good nice, one. Uh, yeah. I should uh, know. I partially edited it. You did. You've got a credit. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can't think of a more appropriate panel to talk about a Star Wars game, one of the best Star Wars games in years, honestly, mm-hmm. and a huge improvement to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which was already a great game, made it into a previous Game of the Year discussion with us. Jedi Survivor expands on it, you know, creates these huge open maps for you to explore, maintains map. the... the Huh? Open map. Open, open map. map. I don't know. Singular. You, you, you fly around between them. Like, I don't I don't you think the space planets, is part yeah. of the uh Yeah, but the all the maps you visit are about the same size as the original game, but that first open world area is so fucking massive. Huge. Mm. It's like its own... Yeah. It Kobo. is like a Dark Souls map. And you, you mm. keep opening up new areas yep. of it to, mm-hmm. to explore. And I was replaying this just to re-familiarize myself with it because I started playing it, you know, at the, around... When did this come out? Like, April? Yeah, it was yeah. Earlier yeah. in the year, yeah. Yeah, earlier sure. in the year, but I haven't really touched it since then and, like, getting back into it, it's like, oh, yeah, no, this feels amazing and, like, getting into this place where, like, this gigantic drop ship called the Luker Hulk... I didn't even see this elsewhere on the map. Two of my favorite wrestlers, oh. Lex Luger and Hulk Hogan. Right, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, Luger this Hulk. this game is just kind of... It's the kind of thing that makes me feel excited about Star Wars again. Yeah. You know, I've had that yeah. horrible realization lately that, like, Star Wars, for, for like, the younger generation is never really gonna be special in that nope. same way like because there it's so available like there's just so much star wars content that's just right there for you and there was something about having to wait 16 years between sequels that just kind of made you really appreciate and mm. expand on the universe and you know you got to mm-hmm. expand it beyond just skywalkers and i think that's what this game is bringing us back to like a universe that is beyond the skywalkers beyond this idea of fate and destiny and all of that and just gets to be a fun romp like a, a great adventure in this big playground that they've built and it's, it's creating still... its own kind of saga too with yep. uh yeah. you know it's 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 on its second game now it definitely i guess we're not spoiling here are we but it definitely sets the stage for a pretty big third game yeah uh, which i would mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. would be like the end of a trilogy it's definitely its own story within star wars actually that... yeah like this game a lot of it bled into uh some of the Disney Plus Star Wars content mm, at, at yeah. some point. Well, BD-1 like, yeah, BD. showed up in uh, Mandalorian. Oh, he did? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. B- BD-1, by the way, is like, man, they discounted that Lego. Th- I want that Lego set so I've bad. got it. I love yeah. BD-1. Got you, it you got it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cool. Like a life-size BD-1. Couldn't and, uh, and, and, and yeah, like I, I, I've expressed some frustration with Disney kind of playing in the margins, but I also really like Rogue One and Andor and mm-hmm. showing a non-royalty stance of life under oppression. And yeah. that one of my favorite things about the game is this, it does a lot of great gameplay things. And in terms of story, you're just kind of collecting discarded species and 
characters from a caste system that no one has any control over and curating this bar of friends <laughs> that you can just uh, rely on and talk to. It's it's Mass Effectian yeah. uh, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. There's so many yeah. great new like species and, and mm-hmm. just characters in that bar that uh, totally feel like Star Wars and mm-hmm. were completely original creations that will probably be seeing those types of species in other uh, media too, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's that yeah that element of mundanity that weirdly enough makes this so much more relatable. That like mm-hmm. yes, you will meet a bunch of space freaks across the galaxy, and they will all gather in your bar and just sort of hang out, and you can go talk to them. And it's like yeah, I'm just hanging out with my friends who care about me and my uh, grizzled old spaceship pilot slash mentor who's literally just called Grease <laughs> has a long conversation with me about like how I'm you know, addicted to fighting the Empire and, uh, you know, don't forget about the people around me and, you know, that we fell out of touch because I'm too dedicated to my dream of overthrowing the Empire. (laughs) But hearing you say this now, like, I never really thought about it, that, like, all these stories of resistance set in the intervening years and then it Mm -hmm. goes into A New Hope, doesn't that kind of make the point that, like, yeah, all, all all efforts were futile until a magic chosen one came of age and then went to defeat his evil father. I think that's been the criticism of actually the first game and this one a little bit is like it's it's a trilogy that in the grand scheme of things can't mean a ton because yeah. of where it's taking place. I Be- think well, let me Andor, finish, Andor, but it's, it's also getting criticized because it was supposed to be after Order 66 and Luke was supposed to be special as like the first Jedi in a while, and it's kind of breaking those rules. But but I Andor think- Andor it takes place before Rogue One, where everyone dies in a completely valiant mission that changes the course of the entire Resistance. So it, it, I think I think it is important to show those stories. It's yeah. really fun to show yeah. the stories. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, and I think show people how are the just resistance stays alive. Things too. I mean, who, we don't know where this is all going to end yet. There, there mm-hmm. could That's be a, some clever way they connect to everything, and I mean, and you know maybe they don't. But it, I'd like to think that there's a, a possibility that whatever the end of the third game is, assuming it does end in a trilogy, like uh, something very important happens. It uh, has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I think it will. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of the same trap that every Star Wars video game in particular kind of falls into. Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Force Unleashed fell into that same trap. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the the N sixty four Empire game, like they they all kind of fall into the same trap. There's a where, Jedi like, a thousand times more powerful than the only other Jedi's you've ever seen. Right. And, yeah. yeah. You want to be able to play mentioned. in that timeline with those characters, but it's so restrictive on what you can do because you have like what a thirty year period to play in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, Force Unleashed 2 made no sense because, like, one of the endings is, like, you arrest Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> this makes this is ridiculous. Yeah, take him Come down to, to space downtown. Uh-huh. I, I think they admitted they're like, arrest. Force Unleashed is not canon, canon, yeah, versus it, it now. Canon. A- after Disney made all of the old Star Wars canon, what do they call it now? The Legends. Um, Legends. Legends. The Legends, yeah. where it's like, now everything has to count. And so it's yeah. like, okay, we me- we know that. They can't do anything too crazy here because everything does have to count. But, you know, if there's one thing I've learned from all of the variety of Star Wars media that we've been inundated with is they will always find an excuse to have a Jedi in Star yeah. Wars. Stuff. And, like, and, you're yeah. going to get to Jedi eventually. This not, thing just started with Jedi. Not it's, to get off course, but, like, they will find a way to make this not canon. 
and Star Wars is one of the only things in the fucking wor- franchises in the fucking world right now with no multiverse. And I hope yeah. it stays that way, but they will find a way to uncanonize so much of Star Wars at some point. I'm, I'm a little out of touch with Star Wars lately. I know they brought General Thrawn in. Did they ever bring Mara Jade into like the new no. Disney? No, Mara. Yet? Okay. But mm. I think, wasn't there something in Ahsoka where they hinted the possibility of a multiverse? Oh, do oh, they? That might be a I hope so. uh, There's the world between worlds, which right. was even, oh even heavier insinuated as a multiverse in rebels actually but yeah not not really i mean there isn't they're in another galaxy now hmm. yeah. <laughs> in, at the end of ahsoka that's so. kind of cool much closer to earth yes. right now yeah <laughs> could be our galaxy you never yeah. know it could be mm-hmm. the they they went to a galaxy far far away and 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 we find out you know it's a planet of the ape style twist at the end oh that i would really explain hope all they the, the star trek four <laughs> Like, it would explain yeah. all the Grogu's and R2-D2's with Santa hats in my neighborhood. Which <laughs> I, Well, I, I know when I heard that expression as a kid, galaxy far, far away, I assumed it meant there were thousands of galaxies between ours. But knowing what I know now about space, any galaxy is far, far away it from is. the Milky Way. So. Yeah. yeah, at least yeah. two fars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's why, yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda was such a big deal. It's like, here, mm-hmm. visiting another galaxy for the first time where everyone speaks English. Very, <laughs> uh, but but weirdly, where, where we are with Star Wars, I am more interested in the characters of Andor and Cal Kestis, which I think mm. shares a little bit of that. A boots on the ground, I do day to day resistance shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, like uh, like I'm I'm kind of tired of the hand wringing and the uh, bow walking of the royalty of Star Wars. Yeah. This but is think, a little more interesting. Well, to Michael's point, like the game though, it does call out like fanaticism and obsession in any form can go too Mm. far. And if anything, like that was sort of, I think the point of the Jedi is this rigid adherence to, you know, was to Mm -hmm. Jedi, whatever you want to call law was their proved to be their downfall. Right. And like with Cal Kestis is exploring like, okay, you're, you're a dude just driven for some reason, revenge, be whatever it is like to take down the empire and you're ignoring everything else, you know, because yeah. of this. Like you, it's a little bit like Last of Us stuff. It's like you can't just be a revenge machine, dude. Like it's not. And, healthy and at for some you. point, you have to share with Luke how you can triple jump. Yeah. He's got to know. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah, gotta, totally. I don't know. Yeah, one one thing that I think makes this especially interesting after Jedi Fallen Order. So Jedi Fallen Order was a game where it's like it's a foregone conclusion how this is going to end. We all know, no, Cal Kestis is not going to succeed in rebuilding the Jedi Order because that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. But so this is kind of like, well, after you have that, you know, that partial victory, that that by and large failure, you know, and the characters matured somewhat, like, what do you what do you do now? What's what's the path forward? And it puts a lot of emphasis, even more so than the first game on the people around Cal Mm -hmm. and the way that they talk about each other and care about him and support him. For example, what's that smell? Smell? What smell? You could eat off this ship, but, but don't. I'm trying to keep it clean. I smell it too. Are you kidding me? Ah, it must be Cal. Always tracking things in and showing up with weird droids and those outfits of his. I'm not even sure he cleans them. Oh, the ponchos alone. We should burn them. You know, you're right. We should. Wow. This escalated quickly. Thanks, Grace. Thanks, Marin. <laughs> I do love that they reference the ponchos, like one of the few customization elements from the first game. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, that was silly. Yeah. And the poncho that you have, like, default is just, like, shocking pink. Uh, at least it sure. is in my game. Maybe I set it to that and just forgot. 
I think you might have. Yeah, could yeah. be. Could be. <laughs> Uh, no, but really, really satisfying gameplay too. We haven't really yeah. called mm-hmm. that out. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah, the, yeah. The the exploration they they found this great kind of mixture of uh, kinetic platforming with a lot of like Dark Souls mechanics, you know, where you can yeah. lose all of your force powers and need to go back and reclaim it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they scaled the difficulty down on this one a little bit. They like, did. They, the first they one wasn't super did. hard, but it had a bit of an edge to it. It felt more Soulsian to me. The first one bit. did a little bit, and this one almost though with the um, the mechanic of the the guard break and stuff like that is yep. is more like Sekiro in some ways at times. It's just like it's yeah, all about trying to break the guard on those guys so you can get in that killing shot. I, I kept thinking of Ghost of Tsushima a little bit with that too. Yeah, with the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the different stances and all that. Yeah, you're right. Like uh, giving you that many ways to counter everything. It, the game did feel much easier, mm-hmm. but it all—it mm-hmm. also felt less contained and less. I, I Uncharted was a comparison I remember making to this, and I don't feel that way about the second one at all. Just it starts it's, the same. Yeah. Though Michael and I were talking off mm-hmm. mic, like it's just like that. In those intro levels are both totally. You can tell like this was the vertical slice they used to have EA fund the rest of They're development, kind of bank, but it's like a roller. different thing than the rest of the game altogether. It's like yeah. That's their Uncharted level, and then they're done with that, and now it becomes more of a Souls experience. I mean, it's, it's so still strange. still very Uncharted e. There's a, like a lot of wall running. There's a lot of climbing. It uh, wouldn't be a respawn game without wall running. Yeah. Like that's oh, their yeah. hallmark. There, there's a lot point. of gadget use and environmental puzzles. Like okay, well, yeah. I, I, I use my force abilities to pull out this whistling block, and that blocks this wind, and now I can navigate this valley a little bit better. Yeah, and they still do a lot of the Soulsian things of like, okay, you've navigated around this map here, you can cut this rope, and now there's a shortcut for mm-hmm. you where you yeah. can get back to the meditation point. Yeah, I like just that. hear Ezio in my mind going, I way back up if I fall. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really enjoyed the little That's uh, a really challenge. good reference for Assassin's Creed. That is good. That reference. really that's is. Good. No, that's, that's a good reference. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed the little challenge rooms too where you kind of yeah, have man. to do this high-level platforming over this gaping void down below you, like jumping through these little Dude, screens there were, and everything. They're very there were two of those that were like insane. That's like the, the kind of things people are building in Mario World today you have right. to do to get a, get, get a trophy in this game. Which I did. It took so long. One of the challenge rooms took me way longer to do than the final boss thing, which is, yeah. is fucking hard. Is, is is as hard as it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying not to spoil a game yeah, from April. Yeah, there's some April. really spoilery spoilers we could get into if, if, if yeah. this were some cast. We no. uh, we 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 decided to call it like the pre Pee Wee Herman, the post Pee Wee Herman, pre Pee Wee Herman. Uh, era of games, uh, <laughs> but this might qualify. I uh, got it. Okay, I get what yeah. you mean. So uh, this is a pre Wee game. Yes, a pre. And we game. remember it differently, and we remember it as the ancient times <laughs> because it's not it, a post Wee game. I okay, understand. he was the voice of the Star Tours robot. Thank That's you. Oh right, so there is a connection. Uh, yes, and he's still he his robot is still in the cantina. He doesn't voice him, but his he's still there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the yeah, voice yeah. of two Star Tours robots, by the way. He's also the one in line that like does a whole yes. speed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. But his robot is the DJ in both cantinas. So That's true. He's still around. I forget his name. Max something. Nice. Uh Max Rebo? No, that's No. Oh, no. That's a real guy. Um no, I'm probably wrong on that account too. Rex? So, whatever. I want to say Rex. Rex. That's probably, Rex. Yeah. Rex was his pilot name. Yeah, he was Rex. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, I think that it's implied, yeah, the pilot retired to become a DJ in the cantina. <laughs> More importantly, if I need to recommend this to people, the strike is going to have a pretty weird effect on Star Wars going forward for the next little while. I think the next season of whatever, I think it was Mandalorian, 
hasn't been shot, it wasn't shot before the strike and was supposed to air early 2024, there is nothing on the 2024 docket for Star Wars. Honest to God, I I could use a little Star Wars TV break sure. right now. So it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, space, watch Andor again. Andor is a, is amazing, but it is also not shot, <laughs> and it's it's oh it's almost two years old. You will not get a new Mandalorian. So I, I don't think I'm crazy to say that some of the best writing in Star Wars came from this game. Yeah, and a lot of it is just the character stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. the the thing you played earlier doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of no. things. It's just a, a fun moment, and you really do uh, get to know these oh. characters and care oh, a there, lot about them. There's so many fun moments yeah. in this game. I have I have several clips. Take a look at that view. Is that a giant crater? Wow! I got it so easy. Guard the cliff, crush the locals. Look at the scenery. Nobody's getting past me, not without a blaster hole in him. I wonder if I'll get promoted for doing such a good job. Then I'll get the other droids to guard the cliff. Oh, but then I won't see the scenery. Hmm, now that's a dilemma. Dilemma solved. (laughs) Droid just temptingly hanging out on the edge of a cliff like, huh, wow, this sure is... Yeah. What what other game has Invader Zim playing a disgraced frog? Oh, Cal, I can't tell you enough how grateful I am you saved me. Anytime. And those moves! Incredible! Where did you learn to do that? I thought we agreed not to talk about that. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. But do you think you could teach me a few tricks sometime? I really don't want you to hurt yourself. But Doma says that's what I'm best at. Yeah. <laughs> The weird Scottish fisherman alien. You betrayed yes. your Scuba frog Stev, family. Or Scuba <laughs> Stev, sorry. Yes. So, you wish to prick up your ears and receive the tale of Scuba? If you're sharing stories, we'll listen. Then you be a fool, my lad. A sordid tale will bring you nothing but grief and woe. Okay, well, if you're not sharing stories, we'll... Oh, fine, I'll tell you. At your own assistance. I think the name is a parody of Scuba Steve, but I think so. That really should have been my intro name. Damn it, yeah. Scuba oh, Steve! Oh, you should be Scuba, Scuba Steve Gutling. Scuba, Scuba Steve, Steve Gutling. There's always a little Nicky show. There's always a little Nicky show. It was always a treat just to run across that guy wherever he would be. You know, and, mm-hmm. yeah. You know. yeah, yeah. And like I started picking him out. Like, oh, what are those bright lights over there? Oh, it's Scuba Steve. Okay, I'm going to go over and. Here is uh, his fish stories. Was Scuba Steve also a little Nicky? Because that's a Big Daddy reference, dog. Don't be confusing your Adam Sandler media. Please, please. Uh, Rob Schneider would be so upset with us right now. Did you guys have a favorite uh, lightsaber configuration? Because I I tend to roll with a single blade and then the cross guard, which turns it into a That's exactly me too. Yeah, Yeah. I was a single blade go to cross guard. I was was the heavy and the, um, the ranged with the blaster. Because, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and how quickly you could you could change between them because most of the time I could handle myself with a heavy because uh, I learned everybody's patterns and played a shitload of this. Uh, but there's some of the cha- like that challenge room where they're like fight two, four rancors. Yeah, like the hardest oh, enemy in the first game. It, it, it's incredible. It really is hard. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was uh, double blade. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just, yeah, was was just going to say, so it seems like we all found something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At a character level, I really like the the one lightsaber and a blaster because that, like, really, that's not a very Jedi thing to do. Yep. And, you know, it, it's pretty clear, especially as the game goes on, that 
Cal's just not like a normal Jedi. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's breaking rules. He's breaking away yeah. from the order, uh, doing his own thing. I think, I also if think Han it's Solo could be a Jedi. Yes. Mm. Yeah, kind of. It's like he's, he started as Luke. He's transitioning into more of a Han. I mean, fuck yeah. all that talk about your favorite stance and stuff like that. I want to hear, what was your favorite haircut you collected for Cal? Or did we got some <laughs> mullets? Did we get some mustache? It some was, handlebars? What, what do you guys got on your the mu- Like, that they're all so, even in the movies, are so gloriously redneck and, like, mm. <laughs> made-at-home haircuts. Literal bowl cut for Hamill. Yeah. Rat tail for everyone else. Oh, they're so gross! I, 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 t- I, I love took that the these mullet are the collectibles, though. It's it's just like instead of right. I know. Instead of just ponchos, they're like, "Yo, you collect mullets in this Wouldn't game." Wouldn't it have like, been hilarious? Treasure chest. Now you have a new haircut. Yeah. I would have never been motivated for a pre-order bonus, but like a ten ninety mullet exclusive for Cal Kestis pre-order at <laughs> HHR Greg's or whatever that thing is. <laughs> Uh, the party yeah, in the like, back digital deluxe edition. <laughs> I had a blast because, like, I, I th- this was one of like the first best games of the year. That yeah, I, it was, yeah, it was I think, so early that, yeah. and it was like the week before Zelda, which just kind yeah. of killed uh-huh. its, its momentum right away. Which means but, I this, played it for about a week. <laughs> yeah, this one I had the opposite effect. This one subsumed my Zelda playing time, and so wow. I, I never actually really Me got too. into uh, Tears of the Kingdom this year. So, oh, damn. yeah, that's that's on my list. Yeah. But that's that's a tr- to discover it's no uh, good yeah, you, you won't I, it. no. <laughs> I didn't sleep and played this almost exclusively for a week to get it out of the way before zelda mm. smart because uh, I, smart. I really loved the first game and this was so 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 much better like a, a major major improvement and if i need to reiterate i think that 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 like your home world is this giant spanning dark souls world you will travel to other worlds but they're about the same size as levels from the first game. Yeah. The yep. massiveness of the home world is insane. I still have 30% to explore in that place after beating yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. I, I almost platinumed it. Platinumed it just because uh, it was so much It was so much fun. They, they did another Dark Wars and it worked again and was even better. Absolutely. Miracle of Miracles. Yeah. Okay, we should wrap this up and let's move along to... Number eight. Uh. <laughs> It's my lucky day. Uh, the chainsaw alone should give it away. What game is this? Remnant Two. Evil the Dead. Chainsaw, the game. The, the yes. weird tra- rem- the chainsaw guy. <laughs> sure. Remnant Two. No. No. Castilian Chainsaw Massacre. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This uh, is the remake of the game, the fourth Resident yeah, Evil. Resident game. Evil 4, and I apologize to our listeners, this is the third week in a row that <laughs> you have had to listen to us talk about Resident Evil 4, but who is joining me for this it's also It's also the fourth, fourth Resident Evil. <laughs> are you I think counting it's the, the fourth VR time I bought it. <laughs> are, you, are you counting the PS2 transition, or the GameCube sure. PS2 difference? In sure. There? You know what, let's there's just a, roll a, with it. Who's joining us for this segment? I'm Brendan. Yeah. I'm joining again. From the crawl. Yeah. From the crawl and GameSpot and other places. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony Wilson from Deep Framework. Uh, <laughs> not other places, just that one, really. Yeah, just that. Formerly that. GameSpot, so, you know, that's okay. fine. That's something. That's important. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time. Guest synergy. I love it. Uh, I, weird corporate incestuous takeovers. That means Tony, Brendan, and I have all worked for the same 
corporate entity at some time because doesn't fandom own GameSpot now in some it, weird uh, yes mm-hmm. and in a past life chris michael and i also worked for uh the same co- not fandom but under uh, another company banner and matt in used to work for my current employer so it's true so, i get around yeah and Michael and I have both freelance for the same places. So, you oh, know, we, we're we not all... helping the, the game and journalism is a click yeah. stereotype. Oh, it's all. very much a click. We're all friends and you can't come in. And we just learned off Mike. The dude used to bench 320 and played rugby. So if you were thinking about fucking with Brendan, yeah, I would think, I think again. I think we've talked about maybe we haven't, but there's uh, I took a really bad concussion. I have permanent in, uh, inner ear damage. So oh, if you shit. hit me right here, I'll probably just immediately. Don't yeah, but they tell. can't see where you're pointing. They don't know your That's weakness. Good. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. You're like a fucking no, final I, boss to a No, you're, you're taller amazing. than me, which means now I know how to shadow the Colossus you. Am so, I? It's, I it's weird I'm that the spot's sure. glowing, though, Brennan. I feel like that's a bit of a tell in a fight. Like, <laughs> it it's is. A glowing yeah. week if your inner yeah. ear is glowing to a visible degree on yeah. your, well, on your head, you've got Well, it glows to me. Like, I can see it inside of my head glowing, right. and that's yeah, when I know that I'm about to get vertigo. It looks like you have, like, hearing impaired help for, like, an FPS at all times. Yeah. Yeah. The damage markers are just going off just on this side i feel like this is good strategy for beating el gigante or one of the other yes. many spanish e- named enemies bring it back around resident evil 4 remake oh. which is a greatly expanded and sort of reinvented remake of the original resident evil 4 and one thing i've heard repeatedly including from my co-hosts is is like we don't need a resident evil 4 remake it's perfect as is and I agree, but at the same time, this came and proved its worthiness that it's just like, here, we're going to take one of the best games ever made. We're going to find ways to improve it. We're going to find ways to build on what it does to to modernize it and make certain parts of it way more interesting. Yeah, mm. I, I just want to go on record, Michael. That wasn't my opinion before. My opinion mm. is slightly different than most it people because I am old. Mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten most of the events of the original Resident <laughs> Evil 4 since I had not played it since the GameCube. Mm. And so I was looking forward to replaying Resident Evil 4 with modern graphics. And that's what's beautiful about this as a remake because it also just works as like a good-ass video game. I'm just like, yeah, yeah really I, I don't... I don't even I can, I can hardly compare and contrast with the original. It's like yes, of course the village scene, like but kind of other than the village scene, I'm like, yeah, I remember that little weird dude, but like <laughs> that's kind of it. Yeah. Like in the military stuff at the end, like it was it. It was just just flashes of memories of this yeah. thing. So. It's it is. I mean, it's not like anything special to say. It's one of my favorite games of all time, right? It's one of those games, mm-hmm. but uh, but I've I have bought it on. I'm going to say five platforms, probably. Finish it on all of them. Uh, like, multiple times on others, which for me is a rarity. It's very rare for me to replay games unless there's, like, you know, a, usually a coverage reason, you know? Um, so it's very well entrenched to me. So I kind of picked up on every difference, especially in, like, level design. And so it, it's funny you say, like, expanded, Michael, because it is. But then there's also stuff that is cut in, like, for, like, kind of yeah. efficient reasons, you know? And that then resurfaces in the separate ways DLC, like the, the laser mm-hmm. tunnel and... Yeah. I think some of the monstrosities that you have to fight that are absent in... Uh, but but generally, like, any there's a lot of stuff. Anything that was a, uh, a quick-time event in the original has now either been axed entirely or uh, redesigned considerably. Like, the, the Krauser yeah. knife fight is no longer... A, a an interactive cutscene. It is you running around uh, trading knife blows with this guy. Yeah, I mean, hey, the knife itself—huge change in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, how so? 
Yeah, I was well, say, do you care to elaborate? Because yes, I, was, I clearly remember that. But for the listeners' that was, benefit, that was meant to be a that was meant to be like a baton pass to whoever wanted to continue. It, but that's it would have happened just... if uh, if my throat hadn't closed up and gone all flummy for a second there. But uh, no, it is. And uh, so <laughs> I only pass. played the only Resident Evil I played before this game was the original Resident Evil Four. Mm. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll pick it up because I really like that game when I played it. I played the Wii version, and yeah, the the knife in particular was such a cool change. Making it, I guess, a resource that you have to, mm. you know, manage the right, yes. uh, the durability of. But it's also like it's a parry mechanic now, and it's it's yeah. it's it's so much so many strategies with the knife that didn't really exist before. And I know some people were iffy on the fact that it has durability, but as a someone who really likes resource management and who would argue that resource management is a major part of any survival horror game, I mm. loved it. I thought it was an awesome addition. And for Resident Evil specifically, knife runs are such a big thing. So to have like right. this much of a change with how they work, so, like that that's cool. Like for I've never done one myself, but that's not something of interest to me, but like so many people have done them that this is a it's a whole new twist on having to do that kind of run. And I think that's awesome. The only time I have ever done that is Village, where it was one of the trophies was you have to do a a melee only run. And it mm. was by the time I got to doing that, like at first that sounded so daunting, and then by like my seventh playthrough of Village, I'm like, yeah, I can do this. This is not, the ending that, is hard, but other than that, it was. Yeah, and I appreciate Village, or excuse me, I, I appreciate the the Village scene in Resident Evil Four for kind of kicking off this this idea of like every Resident Evil from here on out has to have a chainsaw guy equivalent, mm-hmm. right? Like like we have what's his I think his name is Doctor Salazar. I think that's like his actual name like only on a bobblehead or something but you got him in 4 you got Salvador, the, the Dr. Salvador Salvador thank you you got the you got the Magini with the giant hammer in 5 right. uh 6 is the only one I've not played so forgive me there but I'm sure there's something and then uh 7's got the terrifying giant werewolf guy who's yeah. genuinely like the scariest thing I've ever seen in Resident Evil <laughs> hmm. yeah, or uh, that's 8 say, sorry village has that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I should just say that after I played um after I played four, I immediately got the 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 remakes of one and two, and then uh, seven, and played some of eight. So like I I this completely Resident Evil pilled me this game. Uh, nice. I I went from being like yeah I think one day maybe I'll get into it to being like it's one of the best franchises ever. I get whatever I'm so in love with it for. That's the original four did to me. I'd only played the first one and yeah, like dabbled in the second and uh, Code Veronica and it drove me back into the series, which. I sort of hate outside the remakes. No, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> well, it is, it is real hard to go back to the original, you oh, yeah. know, uh, isometric games. Yeah. Unless- and this is the, well, this is the first remake that's not an isometric game. Mm-hmm. And or that wasn't originally, but yeah. I, right. I'm the guy who says, like, I don't need... Because, A, I played through Resident Evil 4 pretty recently, and... Two, B, I worked at the company on the <laughs> HD mode... <laughs> Which feels like not that long ago, it was almost a decade, and it was an impressive remaster, but like it wasn't this. It well, that's what's weird this. is is even right before this came out, they had the VR version of RE4 yep. that wasn't this remake. Like they were they were releasing Resident Evil 4 remakes all the way up yep. until the release of this thing. Like it's like what are you <laughs> it's, doing? It's pretty wild. And yet and it's that's why people's off. memory of it is so strong, just that like it it didn't invent the third-person shooter, but it really popularized it and drove more people no, to not I, only I mean, play those but make those. It really I, innovated on it with the over-the-shoulder yep. camera yeah. and yeah, like, well, the fact that, that you could move thing. and shoot. Like I, mm-hmm. I worked for I worked for a guy who worked on Dead Space, and he said like that inspired him like 
before that, survival horror games were very much like you've got to stop in place to aim and yep. shoot. And RE4 right. was like even just adding in that mechanic, like you can walk and shoot now. That was like groundbreaking yep. at the time. It still makes me scratch my head so much that it started as a Devil May Cry game that mm-hmm. became Resident Evil 4. I still don't understand the DNA there, but... That that's what happened. Well, so that's why it the is other so way different. The Devil May Cry started. Is it a, that was that was the other way around. Was, yeah. The first Devil May Cry was an RE was going to yeah. be an RE game, and then became Devil May Cry. And it might have happened with four too. I don't know, but I yeah, know there, there's the there's something with with I might be yeah misconstruing some stories. There's dev, there's some weird link there that I don't see. But yeah, it was it was the first one to switch to over the shoulder, and then you know yeah. we had the, the another revolution with seven, which. Seven, you know, changed the, the way the inventory worked. And what I one, one thing I really like about this remake is, you know, we still have the briefcase, which or the the attaché case, which y- you have to. You cannot yeah. remove the Tetris briefcase. No. People would have lost their minds. But you still get like the squared like weapon wheel kind of thing that the newer Resident Evils have added, and you kind of get this like in between inventory system, which I think really works because. The inventory system they built for these remakes is is awesome. Like Alan Wake, like wholesale ripped it off because it works so well. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. No, I do, I do like that they streamlined some of that though. In that, like, there is that button where it'll auto Tetris for you. Mm-hmm. With the attaché case, they have like the little charms you can get in the mini game mm-hmm. that will. Yeah, they kind of they're not that powerful, but they kind of act as slight modifications to the game. It'll be like, oh, you you craft more shotgun ammo when you craft ammo, and so you can sort mm-hmm. of like customize to your playstyle. Like, oh, I, I yeah, I'm a shotgun guy in Resident Evil, so I've, I've got to do you know have these three charms equipped or whatever. So, and it gives a reason to like you know the shooting gallery already existed, right? But now at least what your your prizes you're getting out of that at least have some like value to the gameplay. It's not just pure collection. Did the shooting gallery? Yeah exist in, in it did not yes it did. did it no it did. no no not not in this form at all it wasn't like the pirate not like thing, this no this. not with yeah. like the rewards and stuff but it was no like, but it, it was just bobbleheads if i remember correctly it was a different kind of reward I, that wasn't the original though right like i don't i don't remember the shooting gallery from gamecube at all he was just some no, random it, ass vendor no it totally exists but i believe it if i remember correctly you can it's only in the castle Something like that. It's 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 definitely expanded a lot. It's it's much better here. That is certainly one of the biggest improvements. Yeah. Well, there's uh, several. Is, is the way they here. like it. It's like it's not every time you stumble upon the vendor, but like there's like four or five different times where it's like, oh, I'm going to take an elevator down to this vast underground chamber that just <laughs> happens to be a shooting gallery in the middle of nowhere. Like, okay, yeah. sure, I'm, yeah. I'm here and for I, it. it. You know, they use the merchant, and you didn't really have to do much with the merchant. He's iconic anyway. Uh, they did tweak him some, but what I one character I love who they obviously they made good changes to Ashley too because oh, yes. that whole thing could have some you know issues right. But one character I really love who they went more in depth with is Lewis because like mm-hmm. Lewis has an important role in four, but it's like you only kind of learn about it through notes and like his it's just kind of confusing sort of as to why he's even there a lot of the time in original four. But in this one, like his it's he's just so much more critical to everything you're doing, and I, I love that. Yeah, and I really like the. The new voice performance added a different yes. dimension to what that to his motivations and stuff. Like they, yes. it made him more of like it seemed like he really cared and wanted to fix his mistakes. Yeah. And oh, you you were Luis. Yeah, Luis. I'm like, who the fuck is Luis, dude? It's <laughs> That's Luis. how Wesker says it. I'm Luis. Fetch me the amber. It's Luis, bro. I was like, I'm like, am I? I Americanized him too much. Sorry, you did. Yeah, you he did. he just seems Luis like you know, Sarah. there you a, go, a dashing rogue. And then you find out, like, oh, he's actually like a molecular biologist or something, <laughs> and he's yeah, you know, he, working yeah, to he's... develop 
things for Umbrella and was like, you know, working with the Ganados, and now he feels bad about it. Yeah, Yeah. it's his his redemption arc, Mm -hmm. as opposed to four, where you're just like, who is this guy? I guess I'm glad he helped me in this house. And then Mm -hmm. like toward the end of the game, you find a note that he was one of the doctors on the island. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's not as substantial. That's true. With that. Yeah. Um, And I also like that they they expanded the lake section in a lot of ways. That's probably map wise the biggest change. That's kind of like the first thing I think of when I think of what was expanded is the lake. That like you you know you deal with that lake monster, and then you have like all these caves and other things to paddle around to and explore that weren't. They made Del Lago so much. Like I love the the redesign. Well, I guess it's more just a reimagine. It's just a re-upped version of it. It's not like it's radically different from the original, but I love it. Um, dude, you're getting a Del Lago, mm-hmm. and it looks so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, everything they did with the lake, it just made it feel, you know, kind of the semi-open world kind of deal. I was a big fan of that. Yeah, it almost um, reminded me of just paddling around the lake in the first God of War. Or, like, not yes. the first God of War. The, most, the, the first of the reboot. 2018. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I will say, you mentioned Ashley, that it takes, like, one of the... Ashley was kind of an annoying character in the original game, Mm. because she keeps getting in trouble, and uh, not only is she not at all annoying in this, because, you know, she's she's not going to run out into somebody's way and immediately get shot to death, but she has an expanded role throughout the game, and it takes one segment that it's just like, okay, I was already dreading this, and it finds a way... Mild, not really spoilery, to make it much more it's terrifying. Game of the year. You can, yeah. you know, yeah. you got to spoil some things. Here we go. This sucks! So, yeah, they, mild spoilers. There, There is a, a moment in the original game where you have to stealth around is actually by yourself and there are suits of armor that will suddenly animate and come after you and here it's so much worse because you're like in these darkened areas all you have is like a blue lantern and the armor will come to life because it's got like huge plagas parasites inside it and the light will freeze them in place it's like the the living or the the crying angels weeping angels weeping angels yeah thank you from doctor who that like as long as you are looking right at them they won't come after you. Or like the ghost from Mario. Yeah, but the second you turn around <laughs> and run, they will come back to life and chase. And and so, yeah, it, it is a memorably tense sequence. You do not have a way to fight back against them, really. And so you're just kind of trying, running around. That, that moment that I just played, she like has to ring a, a bunch of bells in order in a room where there's like a dozen of these things chasing after her. And yeah, I I can totally sympathize with her. It this sucks. Like it's a nightmare. But here's it's almost like work. a commentary on the last time we played as her in the game too. Mm-hmm. Look at the original yeah. four. <laughs> oh, this sucks. <laughs> Here, do they have an uh, invisible jet ski mode? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> amazing. I, I would I would hope that they would build that in as like a blooper. Dude, or something that's the like best glitch of all time. A which thing. Yeah. brings me really what fun. I re- I really want to ask you, and not just because I'm dying to put a bow on this, even though I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, <laughs> But I, I didn't get to play this. I'm just putting it off. I love recent Resident Evil 4. I'll be happy to play this. But I don't care. I didn't care much for the other remakes. Where does this stack in substantiality with the other remakes? What uh, it, so what was it about the other remakes? Because I played 
the, fir- the the remake of the first game and two very soon after four. So that's pretty fresh in my mind. Was it the like the camera angle? What was it about? The it remake? was the most it needing an improvement, uh, just in terms of control and which uh, remake I mean, of the first game are we talking here? Because there've been a few of those at this. I'm point. talking about I'm talking about the the one that was. Let's say two and three, two and three of two and yeah. three. Which one? I mean, those yeah. are radically different because yeah. you went from isometric to over-the-shoulder shooters. So Yet, they're on a cycle. So you, ha- I am challenging you to define your best <laughs> RE remake out of those three. I mean, for me, it's 2-4-3. Well, two. Two, yeah. yeah. Still 2. Still 2 yeah, is two, four, I, I mean, 3 yeah. is still the, the weak point. Just, I haven't played 3. It will always be. But I would put 2 above 4. I, I, it's yeah. close, though, for me. I, two, like, yeah. It's just barely above it. But Here's I think, why, for me, is 2 is a better... Two, two remake does more to improve on two because four was already so strong that like mm-hmm. the four remake is like it's still an upgrade but it's not yeah. as as noticeable an upgrade if that four makes any remake, sense four, yeah four remake is a prettier game with some of the content changed resident yeah. evil 2 and this is you know the definition of remake right that is a an entirely different unrecognizable game from what it's a it new take on was. that game like it's sure, not yeah. even like there is like it is it could not be more different you know there's there's um, almost something about f- the 4 remake that i would equate closer to almost like a director's cut it's not a perfect mm, analogy yeah. but it's like no that's fair it's, yeah it's expanded there's a little bit more the, like um it's things like the that Snyder maybe cut, bro. weren't as the like you had said matt that it's like uh, black I think and it was white about four three for some reason yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the, the so dead always walking around in that chicago suit with the with the <laughs> milady hat if you look closely you can see Trilby. how they cgi'd out his mustache yeah it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were you saying chris I forgot. Oh. <laughs> it's and to me, it's like it like the two remake. That's almost like the jump from like Mario World to Mario sixty four. Yeah. Whereas like whereas I would you know I would liken. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. It you know plays more like, RE four remake and RE four play a lot more like Dead Space and Dead Space remake. Like there exactly. hasn't been a, a gulf of yeah. generations in between them. Yeah. And I think Matt had said it. Yeah. Some, that that it plays more like your memories of. Yeah. Mm, now having played. All of, now, having played that as well, I will say the changes to four are more substantial than the changes to sure. Dead Space. Yeah, uh, yeah. remake because that remake yeah. the yeah. goal was to be as faithful as possible and, and trim note the fat. By note. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. Whereas this one four is like is is like let's. I, I didn't want to just repeat myself <laughs> about what I just said about trimming the fat, but it is true as well as expanding as well as. Just new mechanics like the knife yeah. parry. It expands like the good stuff. It trims out some of the annoying sh- stuff yeah. from the original. Honestly, Brendan, the, the absolute the absolute irony of accurate. mentioning trimming the fat three times, guys. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. Listen, you got to keep trimming that fat. Look, See, I think we shoved overfeeding. a bunch of fat in there, and then it tastes really good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want to keep eating this I game prefer, over yeah. and over I again. I prefer a more marbled experience. Yeah. Like, and that marbled experience the it comes in the form Resident of Evil. separate ways and mercenaries yeah. mode, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I want to yeah. make sure we mention that yeah. real quick before uh, <laughs> if, if we're moving on, because I yeah. thought mercenaries mode was so much fun. It's it's good, but it yeah. it's very similar to mercenaries mode in Village. That I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's that, that's, that's a very, really cool yeah. mode. It's yeah. but it's it's very much doing the same. It exactly. was my first experience with a mercenaries ah, okay. mode, so I was mm. like, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I will say this, uh, Chris. I don't think there's a reason really to go back to original two when you could play the remake. However, I do think if I get the itch, I would go to original four before I played the remake. If that helps hmm. at all, I think they're they are two different experiences that 
you yeah. could you could catch uh, a, a desire to play either of them and and for different reasons. Nice. Yeah, and an excellent excellent remake of it. It's still good. It's let's take one of the best games ever and and try to improve some stuff. You know, like can't fault them for that. They yeah. made they made the best game of all time over again, and it's again one of the best games of all time. It's, it's very good. All right, let's wrap this up on the parting words of one Ramon Salazar. Such a fool, Mister Kennedy. I've been and he falls off a cliff and transforms into a monster. What else? That was do? a hard boss fight this time around, yeah, too. Yeah, it was. True, true story. In the original four, I always took a rocket launcher in that fight and never fought him legitimately. <laughs> oh, really? But in remake, I fought the, him for the real. The one yeah. super expensive rocket launcher that you get like one per game. I'm that weirdo uh, that yeah, like kinda. I wanted the true boss fight experience the entire game, so I waited and then after I finished the game, loaded an old save and did it on one of the bosses, which basically just gives you a free phase of the boss. It's just kind of like, yeah, you're just going to skip that first phase and go straight to it phase two or three. playing the original four when I was like, I don't know, would have been 14, maybe when I played 14, 15. I don't remember. Whenever that was, GameCube era. It was very much like he transformed and I went, oh, nope. <laughs> Pulled out that rocket launcher. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we should move along to... Number seven. Oh. That is a sound you'll hear about 10,000 times while playing which game? Dave the Diver. Dave the Diver. diver. It kind of sounds like a children's nursery rhyme. Yeah, Michael was clapping along. Dave the Diver. diver. (laughs) So who is joining us for this segment? Rejoining us first. Uh, Scuba Steve Guntley. Oh, yes. Appropriate. And joining us for the first time in a while, it's... Hi, this is Woody Siskowski. Hi, Woody. Thank thank you for joining us. Take a dive into the blue hole. Nice (laughs) nice to be here again for my infrequent podcasting walks down memory lane. Did did we just create a (laughs) Seinfeldian reunion? Like, is this... do you guys record regularly nowadays? No, no, they hate each other. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. We used to wild. record a podcast called... We Universe slash Ultra 64, yeah, mm-hmm. depending on which season you're listening to. Yeah, yeah. we, we kept it all, very all... clear and consistent. Yes. Played all the N64 games, played all the Wii U games, and saw each other about three times a week. And then uh, we both moved to different towns and now see each other about once every three or four months. Usually yeah. to talk about this. So, yeah. oh, I thought Woody started a PS2 podcast, and Steve's like, "No, <laughs> I will not." I will. <laughs> no, Steve I is still the we... prolific podcaster. I just right. sit and play my Steam Deck. Dave the oh. like Dave the Diver, for example. Yeah, I love I love yeah. that yeah. Universe was the perfect DLC to your Nintendo sixty four podcast, just because the library was so much smaller than the N sixty four. That was kind like, of the yeah. thought. Yeah, we're like, yeah, I want to do another one, but let's do it. Yeah, we could one. extend this in the Virtual Boy, but then we would do sixteen episodes. And <laughs> there was actually a discussion of doing a one. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but yeah. I, I don't know that it's worth the eye strain, honestly. Like, no, no <laughs> uh, uh, but but D- Dave the Diver is a perfect game for that because for me 
the vibes I get out of Dave the Diver were like an open world roguelite WarioWare game. Oh, we're talking we're talking Dave the Diver on Virtual Boy, right? Yes. Oh yes. They, they, yes. Yeah, they they just announced it was the called port Waterworld. Yeah. 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 I just I, I felt I got WarioWare vibes from the cutscenes, which were amazing. And oh yeah. Always entertaining. Oh, I love Unskippable. Yeah. They are skippable, but they they're wonderful. But that everything you do does something wildly different almost every every single time and it requires twitch reflexes to understand when and what what is happening and it was yeah. like constantly engaging for that reason yeah for something that's so kind of small scale and has these indie vibes there was just so much yeah. game cramming oh, yeah. here like my steam deck essentially turned into a dave the diver machine for probably like a good two months because yeah so good. there every every around every corner there's a new gameplay style there's a mm-hmm. new genre to be playing around it, it just yeah. never got boring I knew it's, it's I a, knew Steve would dig this game. I was the one who messaged him. I'm like, you know, I think this game's going to be right up your alley. When, yeah. Um, when I was in elementary school and would get super bored, I would try to imagine like what I would like write out what video game I would ideally like to see. An right. idea I kept coming back to is like, what if every level of a game was something different? Yeah. And, you know, after playing a couple NES games that kind of try to do that, like Battletoads or Ultimate Stuntman. You kind of realize, oh, maybe that's Chris is laughing because I just name drop Ultimate Stunt Man. Um, but you're like, maybe that's not the best piece of Deline philosophy because it's hard to do everything well. Right. But right. like, I feel like I've never played a game that sort it's, of. It's why Kingdom Hearts sucks. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you, what? You don't want a Star Fox space shooter in your action RPG? <laughs> um, because it's like Dave the Diver. Everything is fairly rudimentary, but like it does it all in set short bursts and mix mm-hmm. it up so much in so many unforeseen ways. Like I had no idea I would be playing like a 2D stealth game at one portion of this mm-hmm. game or like a rhythm game or a virtual pet. Like a lot of this stuff only keeps you occupied for a couple minutes, but that's about how long the game makes you engage with it. Yeah, Maddie, yeah, your your true. your WarioWare comparison is dead on. Actually, yeah. this mm-hmm. is like long form WarioWare. If if the micro games lasted a bit longer, yeah, uh, it it kind of made me think of like Hungry Shark meets Diner Dash. Like, I don't know if you guys yeah, have played yeah. Hungry sure. Shark. It's a it's a mobile game. Yeah, uh, made by Ubisoft. Full disclosure, or published at least. But uh, yeah, it it kind of has a similar vibe where you're doing like these initially short runs through an underwater. 2d world and then you will gradually unlock things that let you stay down there for longer so like your your air is your health you will lose air when you get attacked it's also a timer that determines how long you can stay down there you'll get progressively bigger air tanks as you go you'll be able to unlock air tank power-ups that will refill it and you you go from like you know spending a couple minutes down there hunting for fish with your spear gun which you know as the fish gets bigger you start to get mini games attached to it where like oh you can't reel this in until you waggle the joystick or mash mm-hmm. a button and it's always different depending on what or whatever your power really. is like yeah. your power makes the mini game different yeah but I, I also love that the game shifts where it, it starts off as this roguelike of like you said like the whole goal is to be down there longer and get more fish and we should say the other side of this and the diner dash yeah. portion is you're running a sushi restaurant but Quickly, like after, you know, the first 10 hours or so, staying down there becomes trivial. And then you're more wrestling with like, okay, well, how much total weight can you carry? But then it's just like, well, you're staying down there because there's story 
elements going on. There's like yeah. mer people you discover, and then there's like boss fights. You save and an ancient civilization of mer people. Like it, it makes some of the roguelike fishing stuff very trivial. Where it's like you know deep late in the game, you're not really fishing that much because you don't need to. Because at one point they introduce like a fish hatchery that's like yeah that's gonna right. feed your that's gonna power your sushi restaurant, and then really all all this money from that's doing is enabling you to buy roguelike power ups to stay down there to to play out the story stuff. It's really genius how, how they linked it all together and how it unveils all of that stuff to you. And all like, you know, it's one of those games that starts with like, here's your mobile phone and you have like 10 apps that only two of them work. And you're like, okay, well eventually I will, this will be introducing new mechanics to me via new apps. And, and it does that, but it's just like for, for a, an indie game that on its surface, no pun intended, seems like kind of a shallow experience. Um, well, it, pun intended that time. Pun that intended time, that, that time. That was fully intended. Eventually becomes like a game with like, wow, this there's a lot, a lot more here than I thought there would be, including mm-hmm. things like awesome cinematics with a sushi chef or yeah. or the mm-hmm. the geeky weapon upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> the anime-obsessed guy yeah, who won't. Who won't leave his house but can manufacture you an automatic weapon that he tests in his own swimming pool? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, in exchange for waifu statues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he talks I, about I, as though there are people. Yeah. I feel like this game does like a spectacular job of sort of juggling like three different sort of timelines mm-hmm. at the same time. Cause it's like this game has so many like super short term goals of like, Get these three ingredients, and then I will give you a new sort of little piece of game content to unlock. But yeah. then also, like Matt was saying, like the environment that you have just sort of ever expands and how long you can be down there. So the gameplay elements sort of change, and then like you sort of see the game expanding before your eyes and sort of becoming bigger and bigger. I, yeah. I do think like when this game falls into like the sections where you're actually kind of forced this sounds weird where you're like forced to play it and yeah, you just have to like, grind occasionally to yeah, unlock like, that next thing you know it. yeah where where it. there's not where, where you're not unlocking something immediately every time you finish yeah, a run yeah, yeah. sort of the tedious nature of going down and sort of swimming around in the same area over and over does mm-hmm. start to like i thought that the you know, I I played through this game to completion. And it's quite a long game. Yeah. But like, I felt like the last three, the last one fourth of the game was probably the time where it felt like ah, I just have to sort of push through because mm. it didn't feel like I was actually finding new content that mattered. Because the yeah. end of the game is very much like all takes place fighting bosses underwater and mm-hmm. sort of like I had unlocked a farm and like I had unlocked you know this way to make a bunch of money. For my sushi restaurant, when you unlock stuff, a, it, a, a franchise sushi restaurant, right? And like, there's like, but like, I finished this, the game far before any of that stuff, like, unlocked. Mm. Like, I I finished the game and then I just went back and played it a little bit today, and I'm like, oh, now I can make cocktails. But like, right, 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 I, right. I, and, and it's like I don't need to do that anymore because like I've finished the game. It's just this weird exercise of design of like, how do you balance giving some because somebody some short-term goal to shoot for, but also some meaningful I, long-term goal to keep right, them yeah, interested in right. what they actually unlock. I think that's a, a failing of the game, actually, just that, that like, you 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 fish in the morning and the afternoon. There's, like, basically three, uh, three sections to every day. You can fish in the morning and the afternoon, farm, and then in the evening you go and serve sushi. And then they're like, you're opening up a sushi franchise. That is not addressed well at all 
because yeah, it, it, it's like they is is a weird game where like I feel like the quantity of game mechanics that are in the game actually exceeds like the scope of the game itself. Like they yeah. essentially yeah. like run out of story before they run out of new gameplay mechanics. It's, right. it's kind yeah. of like, I think it's trying to be set up like, you know, you have this kind of action game and then the after game, the post game material is just Animal Crossing. And you can mm-hmm. play it <laughs> to whatever degree you wish to continue engaging. Right, but it's Animal Crossing without any kind of social element. Yeah, Which. yeah, you're missing that. So I guess it's closer to like a Stardew Valley or something like that. But like, uh, I guess that has a social element too. I, I, but I then, but then, so with that said, it. like, why wouldn't you just play Stardew Valley at that point? Like, because the appeal becomes like the way all of these different gameplays well, sort of interlock and the characters themselves. Like, I really like, I really like the personality of day. Like, the epilogue of yeah. this game is, is just called Friends. <laughs> which I feel like is a very telling title for an epilogue. This game's just yeah. about like some friends who decide to open up a sushi restaurant and uh your character Dave, he really gets kicked around a lot. They say friends, but they I was yeah, amazed a, how it, much it, it's all started by an uh, by a magnanimous billionaire who like still charges you for stuff yeah, he yeah. needs for her, his restaurant who who's named Cobra and like has an extremely shady past as like an arms dealer. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, and, the, and he has nobody a history with Dave, Dave of all things, thing. right? You're like, how does yeah. Dave know this guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> Excellent question. And then you've got like the Greenpeace activists who are all like heavily armed commandos. Yes. Coming out. Yeah, Dave, yeah, yeah. Dave seems like a very mild mannered guy to be like slicing up mechs underwater. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yes. very, very straight. Like, you know, Dave, not that this matters, but he's surprisingly. Uh, chubby for being a yeah. guy who goes and that's you know that's, dives that's deep under the water for hours like he's he's down there what six hours a day that's like. that's something i really wanted to shout this game out for is that it's it's got this great like body positivity kind of yeah. vibe because mm-hmm. yeah dave is designed as a bigger guy but there's never any kind of question that he's not fit enough to do this like yeah. nobody a, treats him like he can't do it like a yeah. bigger yeah. bolder guy and the, the, there's like a whole internal instagram to this game and when i'd see pictures of dave it's just like i am not a chubby bald guy but he looks like he's having more fun, and I wish I was. Yeah. I wish I was this character. Like if, if someone were to play him in a movie, I think it should be the guy who played Angel on Dexter. You know, Angel. Oh, the, uh, sure, David Zayas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd Angel. I, uh, I do. I don't know how I feel about the fact that Dave and I do have the same fashion sense. Because out of the water, he's all Hawaiian shirt and uh, yeah. you know khaki shorts, Old pork pie hat. Or whatever it is that he wears, just embracing that island lifestyle. But but here here's what I'll, here's the revelation I want to give to this this podcast. Maybe not so much Steve and Woody. This is the cheapest game by default in our entire list by half. Yeah. Half. Mm. Half. It is half the price of every other game we will talk about. I also like that a moral of this game. I feel like one of its messages is you should have an adventurous palate. Like, yeah. you mm-hmm. need to try new things. You need to try food that you think is off-putting and weird because you might discover the best food that you've ever had. And there are all these great moments where, like, people come to the restaurant 
to challenge the chef Boncho in some way, like, I think your food is shit. And it's like, mm. well, I'll find the perfect food for you. And then they taste it. And there's like a cut scene that like just rips off that scene in Ratatouille. And everybody mm-hmm. knows exactly which scene I'm talking about, where like mm-hmm. the person regresses to childhood or like, in, in you know, has a hallucination of giant Japanese waves cresting over them or whatever. It, it, it's all like, you know, mild spoilers. There was an incident in the, the distant past that you experience as like a short visual novel where this famous actress refused to even take a bite of this fried shark head. I got to say, I don't blame her. I don't, I don't <laughs> me, want me neither. to either. But that, it. It, like, if, if I have to give a tip to anyone playing, like your shark is the most uh, lucrative dish mm-hmm. you can It can get. be. So I, I, I think that's the other thing is when I talk about this weird hidden complexity, when you unlock exotic dishes at your sushi restaurant, there's also mechanics of upgrading dishes where like mm-hmm. I've gotten some dishes now that are like every time I sell one, it's a few hundred dollars or even like a few thousand dollars. And it's just like you will then say, OK, if I just need money, I'm just going to go farm this ingredient that I need for this dish because mm-hmm. you can you can set your menu to only have like one dish and it's not going to affect the number of people that come into your restaurant. It's really just limited by what ingredients you have on hand mm. at the time. But it's, it's, in, it's sick. It's insane. You, you can hire staff for the restaurant and then upgrade those staff. It has so many trappings of a fucking free to play game. That's not mm-hmm. free to play. It's like yeah, all of yeah. this shit would be on a timer. And it's very generous with that stuff. It doesn't force you to like do a lot of grinding or anything. No, no, it's it, but it's very much like, Hey, this is here. None of this is on a timer. You can upgrade your your staff as many times as you want. There's guides online you can look to be like, which staff should I hire? And like, like who's good at what in the in the house? It's it it's insane. Matter. It's this weird sim game that just also happens to have like a really funny sense of humor and really good moment to moment gameplay. That it it's it's one of those games of like, hey, I fully intend to sit down and only do one or two runs, just like Stardew Valley, right? I, I intend to play yeah. one or two days. And then four or five hours go by, and I go, oh shit! I just you know, like like it, it keeps you playing, you know. It yeah, keeps it's you a, hooked. It's, it's a game that time too. It's mm-hmm. a game that very clearly like has pulled a lot and learned lessons from what works and what people pe- people playing in mobile gaming. Yeah, but it doesn't do it in a way that makes you feel gross. Yeah, like, yeah. No. no, it doesn't charge you for any of it. It's and just you, like here, give us twenty four bucks up front, and now if any particular element of this game isn't really clicking with you, you can kind of just ignore it for the most mm-hmm. part. Like obviously, the diving and the yeah. fishing are going to be a huge part of your your progression through the gameplay. But so many of these elements, I didn't even really mess with. You know, like I I mess with the hiring system just as much as I needed to get a better running restaurant and then i just Mm -hmm. left it alone you know like i just got mostly caught up in like fishing and catching like trying to fill out my card library Mm -hmm. you know because whatever it is that motivates you to play games like this you're gonna find something that you're gonna connect with yeah i I knew i I knew when i played this and the 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 phone app in the game has like six different checklists (laughs) that you can collect i'm like Mm -hmm. i gotta tell steve that this is the game for him because Steve's one of those guys who will play an open world game and be like, ooh, there's a corner of the map that hasn't turned gray yeah. yet. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, like I, I'm a cat owner, and you can dive down and occasionally find cans and, like, cans plus of cat food to feed yeah. a cat in the afternoon. I don't know that it does anything. It does. It, you you get eventual cat cutscenes of like y- yes. You, there's, there's like a level where you will follow the cat and learn what he's been up to. It's and I know so that there's cool. like cutscenes oh, around oh, wow. it. Too. Is that what it unlocks? That's amazing. Yeah. This game feels. I don't know the history of development for this game. It feels like a game that 
has been in early access for several years and they just kept adding shit to it. But I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it was an early access. Like I just remember hearing about it when it was out and it was well, a phenomenon. This is the but game it's that like, sparked the indie debate of the game awards. Cause it's, yeah. it's cause it's a Nexon kind of, game technically. Right. Right? It's funded it's, by Nexon, the, it, one yeah. of the biggest Korean publishers there is. It has indie vibes, quote unquote, but it is not an indie game. Mm-hmm. No. no. I mean, no. We, I think we all naturally, when we see sort of the throwback pixel art, you kind yeah. of just assume indie vibes because that's so commonly yeah, used. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, looking here, it looks like it was in early access for maybe about six months. So that was probably enough time for it to, you know, generate positive word of mouth and stuff. Because, like, this game, I feel like came out and was, like, a huge hit, but I never mm-hmm. really saw advertisements for it or anything it was just like yeah. i think positive right. word of mouth yeah those ads would have been all on steam, steam. yeah yeah and I, I do think that this game very much goes super well with the steam deck like i have a mm-hmm. hard time imagining playing this game like on my computer it seems just really weird to like okay i'm gonna sit down and play an hour or two of well, dave it's, the it's, diver i can even see though only, that's, it's only on switch and steam which yeah. again feels feels very natural. I, I'm yeah. definitely now that fit. I know that it got released on Switch. I'm definitely going to tell a couple of my Switch owner friends about it. Thank yeah. you. Also, I haven't played many sound clips for this, uh, partly because like most of the really good sounds from this game, like there's a lot of really cool music tracks, but mm-hmm. then you get into the conversations, which are all sound exactly like this. Yeah, talking to us from an alternate universe. It's a, it's a, thro- a throwback to Steve and I and Nintendo 64 days. Hey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey. Slightly Banjo-Kazooie. Slight, yeah, they all they all sound like uh, the dog in Star Fox. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Sends you on his way. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, we should wrap up Dave the Diver and move along to... Number six. Alma beer is a traditional Finnish lager, and we drink it the Finnish way. At the bar while actively avoiding small talk with strangers. (laughs) Getting blackout drunk on a boat during midsummer and trying not to drown. In the sauna, using your beer can to hide your pit belly from wandering eyes. Partaking in the Finnish tradition of Kalsarikamit, drinking at home alone in your underwear with no intentions of going out. It's not sad if it's intentional. Ah, so bringing us in, Finland, beer, bad local commercials, what game could this possibly be? Leave it to Michael to choose that sound to represent Alan Wake 2. Like yes. this random <laughs> beer commercial TV from within it. I mean, only... It, and leave it to Remedy to throw so much TV within oh, a game. Like so, that's their, so that's much their TV, deal. so much live action. Who is joining me for this segment? I'm Johnny Brandon. Uh, where Johnny, where might people have heard you? I've got a YouTube channel that I've resurrected called Bears in Games. And I have a podcast called square roots cool and who else other special guest other special guest that's me again george albor uh i host the experience points podcast which you can find wherever you find podcasts well thank you both for joining us bringing us in at number six on our countdown from 10 to 1 of the year's best games i really really love this game i pushed for it to be higher but unfortunately two of our hosts have not even played it 
but they I trust know it's Lonnie. weird that George and Johnny are here. They haven't played it. It's so uh-huh. strange. Yeah, no, weird <laughs> they like just volunteered to talk about a game. They now, s- now see here. We're, see we're here, here to we... sh- we're here to shame you for ranking yes. it so low. <laughs> well, I, I need someone to explain to me why Stranger Than Fiction, the video game, sh- belongs in the top ten. <laughs> yes, that is a reference to a bad Will so Ferrell movie. The Will movie Ferrell movie, <laughs> a pretty yes. good wow. Will Ferrell movie. Oh, come it's, on, it's pretty decent. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. Yeah, I, I had. I, we're recording early enough to where like this was supposed to be played in my holiday times, and you made me blow my money on uh, a different game mm-hmm. to for this very very game of the year show. But I, I, I think I've said this before. I was a huge Alan Wake fan. I couldn't wait to get to it. I, I kept wondering if I needed to play con- finish Control first. But I think off mic, both Johnny and George were like, "There's tissue in there, but you don't need to play it to yeah. enjoy Alan yeah. Wake 2. You you will play this though, right? Like Matthew and oh, yes, they oh, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will ensure yeah, yeah. that they play. It. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is, but, this but, is, but I mean, it wasn't told... it wasn't championed as hard as it probably should have been because I'm I am without having played it a huge champion of Alan Wake because yeah. I thought the original game was kind of amazing and I kind of like that it became this thing that younger generations discover. Younger generations are not out there screaming for more Resident Evil Six. They wanted. An Alan Wake too, and it, it, every time it gets announced or it's at the Game Awards, it gets a huge applause. I think that's really cool. I, I think we wouldn't be talking about it this highly. Like I will totally play this because, as I've said on our exclusive Patreon show, the ordering, uh, I see this game and I go, "Oh, that's a Matt Allen game." Like this, mm-hmm. this game yes. looks mm-hmm. like it is going to be yeah. totally my my jam. Unfortunately, when this game came out. I was playing another little game called Baldur's Gate 3 that has taken mm. up over 60 yeah. hours of yeah. my time so far. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it was a tough time of year. But I'll get to this game. But the other reason that I think we were like, hey, Chris and I, even though having not played it, we were like, yeah, we, we get it. Totally cool being number six is not only Michael championing it so hard, I'm championing it so hard. Mm. Uh, it's the number of votes we saw next to this thing, including your guys and... and um, just a little fanboy moment. Like I love George's taste in games and, and pop mm-hmm. culture in general. He has pretty good taste in movies too. But, uh, and so yes. when we see George voted for something, we're like, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. We saw Johnny. We're like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Like this one, I think Michael was tied. Well, oh no, no, no. What I'm thinking of is the number of people who responded, who wanted yeah, to record about this. Type. Who yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Ah, yes, yes. So who wants to start by telling us Alan Wake two, why special? I mean, so here's here's my my sort of soft pitch for why I think Alan Wake Two is special. I think I could get into the weeds because there's a lot of fucking weeds. Like this is a game that is <laughs> yes. dense. It is a oh, I'm game. I'm sure there was a lot of weed people, involved with this game. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, and more and more. Uh, this is a game for people that are are into weird fiction, into writing, yeah. into mm-hmm. constant like strange reflexive, self reflexive things. If you have read meta, House meta of Leaves. And you like House of Leaves, you will like Alan Wake too. Of all the games this year, like I've, I've, we've played so many good games, right? Like Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers, Baldur's Gate Three, great games this year. This is the weirdest fucking game mm-hmm. out of the year by mm-hmm. a landslide, and that makes it feel so fresh and interesting and mm-hmm. new. And when you jump into it and sort of take it for what it's trying to give you, you just, it's just. There's so much to chew on and so much to get out of, and it's just a lot of fun to be in that space. I mean, one of my sole experiences with the game so far was being at the Game Awards and having the Game Awards break into musical theater featuring a number that I yes. later found out is like literally from the game. It's like, no, they, oh. they just do that yeah. performance. Uh, well, I, Sam, I Sam Lake, clip. the creative director, is in the game. Yes. In like multiple roles. 
Yeah, Sam Lake playing himself, <laughs> playing himself as Alex Casey, playing out the character of Alex Casey, which is basically Max Payne. It's with the <laughs> yeah. the voice of the of Max Payne's voice actor James McCaffrey, the face of Sam Lake, and says things like this. Tried to wash away the sins of this city. <laughs> but some sins, the evidence of the crimes committed, could never be erased. Not by the rain, or any amount of therapy from Dr. Jack Daniels. <laughs> I did kind of feel like they were trying, like if they had the rights to Max Payne, I think Rockstar mm -hmm. has the rights. Uh, yep. But if, if mm -hmm. they'd had them, like this would have been tying together all of their games, or at least three out of you know max Payne, control and alan wake into is, one it's a shame because rockstar has very quietly become an all gta company like mm. you're, you'll never do anything with this property again just sell it to remedy for its song like yeah what the fuck well they're doing that remake right oh right oh, remedy and remedy's, yeah, working, remedy's on it, right? working on it right yeah yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. But it's not nothing. It's not nothing. But Max Payne three was really cool. But Remedy wasn't involved with that, right? No. Okay. Um, but yes, right. the uh, the the actual action. You you're not playing as Max Payne or as Alex Casey, as he's called in this. You are playing as two different characters, playing mm -hmm. as Alan Wake and Saga Anderson, both of whom have like have a radically different experience attached to them. Like, you know, the, the gameplay's similar, like running around shooting monsters and taken and whatever. They have different weaponry. They have different ways of powering up. Saga carries like charms that augment mm -hmm. her abilities. Like, Oh, carry this mm -hmm. thing to not be staggered as much, or this one to stagger enemies more, or here you carry this coffee, coffee mug charm and uh, you'll resurrect immediately when you die. And then, what about the thermos? The yeah, thermos. Therm and she has That's to how you save. Yeah. <laughs> she has to solve Great. like these weird puzzles out in the middle of nowhere by placing creepy dolls on like the, these chalk drawings that like this is something that the FBC left behind and, and yeah. she's kind of going in their way. And well, Saga is in Bright Falls, the quote unquote real world. Uh, Alan Wake is stumbling around in like his the dark place his like weird mental image of new york which is filled with shadows that like they just appear out of nowhere and keep going like wake alan, alan. wake yes and and mm -hmm. so so menacing and then it's like there's it's it's usually hard to tell whether it's like is this just a phantom that i can dispel and walk right through or is this something that i should take seriously as a threat that's yep. going to come at me and because uh, they're all they all just look like indistinct shadow people until they attack. Yeah, some, sometimes you'll just walk by them and then one of them will just floor you to the ground yeah. and attack. And it is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you, you constantly have to watch your back in the dark place. At least you don't have to contend with the wolves and shit that you'll find in Bright Falls, which are really creepy. But yeah, and, and Alan gets little ability buffs by finding words of power, which are like these yellow spirals of words that are hidden like you know, under ceilings and little out of the way places for you to find. I found like two of them the entire game. Oh, wow. I found more <laughs> than that. They, sometimes they get marked on your map. Like if you run into uh, to Sheriff Breaker and he'll, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, yes, I, yes. I, I, I mapped it out. Here's uh, here's some question marks. Go go check them out. And one thing I really like about this is that when you're playing as Saga and you finish all the tasks in an area, the 
quote that the floodwaters recede around the area and so it reveals a bunch more explorable area that you can then go and find things and fight new challenges whatever it kind of reminded me of 2018 god of war with the way that you know the waters would recede and then you'd find more areas to explore and then it blends gameplay with live action a lot like there's there's commercials that play on tv like the one i i introed this segment with there are bits where you'll open a door or you'll like go into a TV and then it'll just be like a shot of the actor who plays Alan Wake, whose face looks identical and he'll just look around and he might, you know, just transition back into gameplay or there might be a dialogue scene that you're going to watch. Uh, sometimes with the same actor playing two different roles. Uh, there's, there's a movie that you can unlock that start like that stars Sam Lake in Finnish and parallels the events of the story that you get like after you clear out this haunted yep. movie theater. Um, I watched like twenty minutes of that. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, same. It it goes on for a long time. I kept expecting. Yeah, it to twenty wrap minutes up like might that be an exaggeration, but it, it goes a while. It felt like at least fifteen. I could be wrong. The the FMV thing I want to shout out real quick because I, the way that when you talk about it, it sounds tacky, and mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. want to encourage people yeah. who have a preconceived notion about FMV quality. From old like '90s games or early aughts, right? With that, like, uh, was did Command and Conquer? What are the those earlier? Yeah, like, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. Strategy games they had like full motion video, and it's, it, it is weird, right? Like it, it comes off as bizarre, mm-hmm. but there's a sincerity to its use here, and technology has gotten good enough. Like the 3D graphics look good enough, and we as players, we fucking get it, right? Like mm. it's a game; it's not going to look mm. exactly like real life. And so that moving, that fluidity, though, is done in a way that just expects you to accept it. And as a result, you do ex- accept it. And it works <laughs> so well. Like, there are scenes where Alan and this evil character that uh, I forget the actor's name, but he gives a great performance as Mr. Warland Dorr mm-hmm. will be on like a, uh, what is it, like a late night talk show. And then immediately transition to Alan Wake on that talk show host as you play him in that set and back and forth like that. And it works beautifully. It works really good. And it feels like Mm. you just naturally transition from real life to video game. And in a story that is about transitioning from different phases and mediums and how they all become real, it's such a cool twist to it. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a deeply weird game. And I I did read something, an interview with Sam Lake, where he was talking about how the success of Control basically gave them the freedom to get really weird if they want. They don't have to (laughs) toe all these conventional lines. And so, like he said, like, yeah, a lot of fans are going to play this and be like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Which fair. I also so I I find the mix of uh, of media like there's some points mm-hmm. where you're walking through one level and the other level superimposes an fmv over mm-hmm. it it just merges so beautifully i like the genre switching like a lot of times saga is more like an adventure game uh, alan wakes more like silent hill it's uh, and saga's mind palace and her profiling oh, yeah. and not to get spoilery about this profiling the profiling is really cool that's maybe my favorite little bit in the game hmm. yeah it it kind of pushes the definition of uh, criminal profiling, and it's like, are you having like a psychic conversation with this character? Because you're just like filling in blanks, and you're always right about it. Uh, hmm. yeah. Well, the the mixture of the live action stuff, it almost feels like they were trying to do that with Quantum Break a few years ago, and and yeah. obviously that game wasn't as successful, and and was Had very much. Time. 
Yeah. Ahead of its yeah, time, but it's also like game. that game was clearly like, hey, we filmed some Hollywood quality segments with these actors and then there was this game and it was meant to be more episodic, whereas this Ooh. thing is just like, no, no, it's all blended. It's Isn't all one Quantum thing. Quantum Break, like, yeah. if, if not literally part of this canon, it's, it's at least spiritually they, connected into like how they this don't game bring that up. one up because i think it's microsoft exclusive still like mm. that was a microsoft yeah the actor the actor is here oh yeah. is he okay. yeah yeah the, the yes. guy who played Iceman. what's his name yeah and in in control there's a reference to oh, quantum Sean break something. but it has to be vague that uh, okay vague but little finger's not here because little finger was in quantum break right there's a there's a uh, few also references in the game um saga anderson's relations i guess i'll say to try mm-hmm. to be spoiler free are the old gods of Asgard, which is this sort of crotchety band that sort of used to be young and hip in the 60s and are now just really old. Yep. Um, but uh, but they reference sort of multiple worlds and timelines and the way that characters could sort of exist in across different stories. And so there's certainly a world where the character that the actor who played Quantum Break is the same sort of reincarnation if you will of a sheriff in this game so they there is overlap there if you're really hungry for it yeah i want to say also while we're talking about quantum break i feel like the fmv is much better integrated into the gameplay and much less intrusive like there's there's no like okay now sit for half an hour and and watch an episode of a tv show that ties into this it's (laughs) it's it's like yeah you will see live action segments the Bit that made a, a splash during the Game Awards. I, I have to play a segment from this from this song by the old gods of Asgard, who are the house Hell band yeah. in this imaginary talk show. So you were drawn to stories early on. My dreams would light up my imagination. <laughs> and you had nightmares night and day. Yeah, but with the clicker, I chased those frights away. Ooh, you, so true. So So there's also a sort of cheesiness to the FMV that makes yes. it really endearing. Like, mm. like it's it's it comes through with the local commercials. Or it's just like this does not feel like a clumsy local commercial. This feels like a very slick parody of a clumsy local commercial. And a lot of it kind of has that sort of quality. That, that there's like a Rhett and Link uh, job. Like a what? <laughs> Rhett and Link. You're. I don't think you're going to get the reference. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but, uh, Is that a Florida thing? Yeah. No! Rhett and Link used to do uh, like local commercial parodies, but they were clearly like, this is too well thought out and well made mm-hmm. to be a local commercial. But, but it's like, you know, here's one for fucking Coffee World, a highly unlikely, really trashy theme park that you will stumble across at some point. Hello, and welcome to Coffee World, voted Washington's best coffee-themed amusement park. All of our attractions are family-friendly and available to children of all ages. Just like our coffee. So, take a sip of our Oh Dear Diner organic coffee and let the adventure begin! Yeah, it's and and like oh, a cardboard eagle is swooping by, but it's it's very well shot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and Finnish actors that are not trying to hide their accents mm-hmm. in the slightest, it's great. No, not not at all. Like, Love yes, the, the town of Watery has a very strong Finnish uh, local population, apparently. And, Take that heavy rain and in every game. so many references to saunas in it. It's like, you will find so many saunas. 
in the Pacific saunas. Northwest. Yeah, sauna. saunas. And I was like, oh yes, we must go to sauna now. Um, <laughs> and and yes, of course, you will meet um, everyone's favorite Finnish character. Mild spoilers here. Hello there, Saga Anderson. Hey, Basine. Name won't make the man worse. Even a Swedish name. I'm Martin. Anything good on that jukebox? Bless you. We try to do good, but only prime comes out. <laughs> Music from my Swedish brothers. Old gods of Asgard. My pals. The Perkele Vikings. Perkele. I had to look up what Perkele means. It means like goddamn. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, I noticed they use it for swearing. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't Colonel Ati Gentleman from so Venture much. Brothers. Yeah, Ati is amazing because he's like I just now learned that he's Swedish because like he I have no like clue what his chef. ethnicity was in he's control. I think I think he's Finnish, but he yeah. sounds okay. No, he's got a long career. Old gods of Asgard, he just said something Tor about and, Swedish. Tor and Odin are Swedish. Ah, okay, that's what he was talking about Sweden, but like. I had no clue what his ethnicity was from Control because he's just like he's this character who's totally out of time and place. Where in like a Twins Peaksian way, it's like that guy might be a god, mm -hmm. like because he does amazing things yeah. in those games. 100%. Like it's just like it's like uh, yeah, definitely. I love his sayings because it, it's so nonsensical. Like, oh, if you go into the woods, remember to take a shit, but not on your head. Oh, the burn yeah. big. <laughs> what? Oh, you think there's a dog in all this? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Great. And yeah, the actor is, saying, uh, uh, like, he's a, he's a cameo, basically, because he's a big-name Finnish TV actor. Is oh, really? really? That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's wow. amazing. Yeah, th this game is is just amazing. Like, I'm... I think I think I'm most of the way through Alan's plotline, and that's, that's another cool thing, that not only are you playing as dual protagonists, but you can switch between them almost at any time. So, like, you go mm. into a save room... And there's, of course, a thermos to save your game. But there's also, like, a puddle <laughs> on the floor. And if you go up and interact with the puddle, then you will shift realities and take over the other protagonist wherever you left them. Which is super cool. Love it. And, yeah, and if you're ever in a place where you're, like, wounded and out of ammo as one protagonist, like, well, maybe play as the other one for a while. And uh, <laughs> maybe you'll have more fun and be, be ready to take on the challenge of what you, you left behind. Yeah, and the game gives you gives you markers as to where you are in the other story too, because you'll have mm -hmm. scenes that that bring the two characters together. Oh yeah, that mm -hmm. play out in both sides. Mm -hmm. Right with FMV again, the sort of the the mirroring of them. Yeah, one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's good stories in both sides of this game. I've heard. Of, mm. Oh, oh no. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of stories, though, like the other thing that I was surprised by, because I think at first, you know, when you're met with the musical segment. There's a lot of, like, this game is just weird for weird's sake. Yeah, yeah, It doesn't yeah, yeah, feel yeah. like it gets there. But I think if you push through, by the end, this actually has a really interesting set of stories to tell about the way that we rely on stories or use stories to mm. sort of... we Basically, we choose to believe in lies to comfort ourselves or, mm. or the stories mm. that we want to believe mm. in or to sort mm -hmm. of justify our, our certain understanding of who we are. And... Uh, it's entirely a little bit unclear at the end which stories are actually true and which aren't. But you mm. get the sense that, like, that's kind of what it's all the jumbly about, right? Which is to say Saga and Alan, like, believe certain things or want to believe certain things. And these stories are what we rely upon to try to convince ourselves they're true. And even if they're not, but maybe if we believe in them hard enough, they can be. And that's just a kind of an interesting space to play in when you're messing with so many different genres already. 
See, dear listener, I told you I respected this guy's opinions on games. That was the <laughs> yeah. smartest thing that's ever been said on the show. <laughs> For me, it, it, like I, I really liked the first Alan Wake, and I think I fell off on one of the DLCs, came back with American Nightmare. Mm-hmm. You guys would know better than me, Does is there a cliffhanger? Does this seem like the end of the Alan Wake series? Like, not, not I think all. clearly not, the, not. This is not the end of the Alan Wake series. After after yeah. 12 years, it... it it's no longer a dormant franchise. It's one of the most talked about franchises at the end of the, the 12 years. Yeah. Well, they, they make a big deal also about how long it's been since yeah. the first game. And that, uh, yeah, they, they sort of acknowledge like, yeah, we, we sort of left this series on a cliffhanger and, and didn't go back and no. develop everyone it. Knows the, I, like everybody, like Alan Wake and everyone else who's, who went into the dark place, like they've all been missing for the past 13 years. It's just strange because, like, it you know, it's only gotten harder to make games, but Remedy seems to have found something here. Uh, with, I mean, Control was only what three years ago, mm-hmm. something like I that. Don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. they oh, probably four, have four. like a ten to fifteen year plan in terms of like yeah. the world. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. The, what, the Remedy universe. What I appreciate about Remedy is every one of their games, you can see how they learned lessons and applied those from 100%. previous games. Right, so like. If you think of the early uh, Max Payne games, like they started before they had TV shows and stuff in game, like those started with like JPEGs of Sam Lake as, you know, like telling his story, like the hardboiled detective stuff where it's like a motion comic. And then they started adding TV shows and movies. Then they did the Quantic Break thing. Well, that didn't really work. But now this game does the full motion stuff. Even the music thing, this is a spoiler a little bit for Control. One of the best moments of Control, and it's totally earned by the time it happens, is all of a sudden you're just in a heavy metal music video at one, at one point for like three minutes. And then it's like, okay, we're back. That that was that. And, and we're done with that. And it's like, what the fuck? And I mean, then they put that early in this game, like that music musical interlude michael was playing like for some reason this was the year i decided to take in david lynch's third season of twin peaks and you guys <laughs> are really tickling all of that for me right now that that's what this game looks like you're like a, i mean i'm just shocked because normally if you get wake you go break yes I, I, oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone's free to groan yeah, now there, like, we haven't even like talked about some of the weirder aspects of this. For example, I've uh, been saying there's dual protagonists. There's actually three protagonists. If what? you count the uh, naked middle-aged man you play as in oh, the true. game's intro. Oh, yeah. I was like, where are you going with this? Yeah. Four, I guess. Middle-aged yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. But, uh, yes, yeah, so you, you do begin this game stumbling through the woods looking at a naked man's ass. Uh, in the middle of the night and uh, get ambushed by some cultists and that sets up the whole storyline and uh, yes you're you're fighting cultists and taken and uh, wolves in the the real world you're fighting shadows and things in, in Alan Wake's world and Alan Wake himself being a writer like one of the key components is that he can rewrite reality so you will see certain sites and like they are tied to certain events from his story that like okay I invented this cult and they're doing they're they're having an initiation ceremony now should they have it in this location should they have it in this other location so there'll be like multiple locations where you can rewrite reality and and like it will change the layout of those areas it will change what you can find in there like there's useful story beats that and and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's worth like even if you've you you know that like okay this is the correct sequence of events you can still shift things around and just be like all right what's hiding here if i if i like make this the the entry hall of the climax room or whatever and, and climax room hello mm-hmm. yeah well the climax <laughs> yeah, it's of the like, story it's, 
It's like ah. time traveling in a way, right? Like you're 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 changing the landscape according to where in the story you would be. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really nice about that is there's this really great tension when you're about to switch into another story. Mm-hmm. Like one of them might be like the devil. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen when yeah. I shift to the devil storyline, but it can't be good. And you switch, and then the room is like filled with blood and corpses, and it's stupid with shadows, Lovely. and it's very like high tense. Yeah. So that when you go to another room and switch to the devil again, you're like, fuck, yeah. this is not going to be good. What's going to jump out at me now? And and yeah, yeah. The, you, you always run that risk of like, you're going to rewrite reality, and there's going to be an enemy taking a swing right in front of you that just spawned in. I, I got to, like this in Baldur's Gate 3 have... It's made me feel like a little kid listening to. I really enjoy listening to people talk about their experiences with mm-hmm. the game, and and just haven't touched it yet. Man, you guys are really scratching my itch right now. <laughs> uh, starting to regret it a lot, but like, yeah, I couldn't sit there and listen to someone describe Spider Man Two or Mario Wonder to me. But Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate, it's so fucking fun to hear people talk about their ex- their first-hand experiences with the game. And sadly, that's been my only experience, but whatever. And there it is, the first five of our top ten games of yes. 2023. Alan Wake 2, claiming the number six spot. I bet you're simultaneously elated and horrified, fans of this game, that it's not higher. But, you know, it's as high as we could make it considering that you guys didn't even play it yet. And Chris, we can't play everything. How dare it come up against Remnant 2 DLC? Oh, oh I see where priorities <laughs> lie. Got it. Got it. It's true. All right. So, yes, we like to end these segments by asking everyone, what is your personal game of the year? Obviously, we've posed this question to the listeners already. We will mm-hmm. read those answers are the first show of the new year after mm. we get through all of this stuff. We will answer that question ourselves on next week's show. In the meantime, though, let's hear from our guests. Brendan, where can people find you and what is your personal game of the year for 2023? So people can find me at twitter.com, I think, or x.com, whatever it is. Uh, Brendan Twitter. underscore LH. Twitter. Or on YouTube at youtube.com slash the crawl. The crawl is in like what a baby does. The crawl. Yeah, like yeah. the crawl. All one word. Like a dungeon um, crawl. Got it. So this is a really interesting question. And I was kind of almost hoping you'd ask Tony first. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I take, I don't know. There's so many good games that came out this year. And I've been thinking about it a lot. I don't know. If I'm honest with myself and I take a step back, I think it's Zelda because that's the game. No other game that I play in 50 hours in a weekend. So there's that. Wow. Um, that's I mean, not it was mathematically like, possible. It was, like, it, was like, it was like three days. You added an it extra like, hour to each day. It was like three day. or four days. I, it was, you know. Nintendo did it. It's they fine. gave yeah. us more hours in the day. I started on Thursday, and by Sunday I had 50 hours. How about that? So that's, that's wow. like three wow. and a half days. That is. But, wow. but actually, I think, like, that's it by hours. And like, oh, it's like the biggest and most complex game I played besides Baldur's Gate 3. I've only played 25 hours of Baldur's Gate 3, so I don't. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that game yet. The game that I played, though, from start to finish, and then replayed it, and then replayed it three different times, uh, is Armored Core 6. And I really Whoa. think that, if I'm honest with myself, that Armored Core 6 is probably, like, the most fun I had with a game all year. And that might be my game of the year. Wow. We're going to have to talk about that. I, I, I went from being engrossed with it and, like, why is this like this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... 
I mean, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it, I, it's uh, it's absolutely like I don't know. It, and I only I only mention it because every single every single day my so PS5 sensitive. reminds me I can't download you. I'm a Core Six update. And like, shh, don't worry, don't worry, pet. Stop trying so hard. It's okay. How do you get it to stop doing that? <laughs> to stop updating, you can delete the game off your hard drive. Uh, yeah, I know, but like, there is space for whatever this update. Shut up! Like, what? <laughs> oh, how do, how do you get it to say, oh, I can't, can't download update? Yeah, yeah, can't download update. Yes, you can. There's What's what's going on with you? There wasn't room. Now there's room. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Tony. And uh, Tony, once again, where can people find you, and what is your personal game of the year for 2023? Yeah, so socials are at ChainGunPope in just about uh, every place, except Blue Sky, where it's Tony-Wilson at whatever the Blue Sky thing is. How professional. Uh, I, na- mm-hmm. I know, I got my name. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. YouTube.com slash Framework Video, that's the channel. My personal overall game of the year, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 sat in that spot confidently for some time. You know, I've been in a, uh, I've been live streaming uh, D&D for seven plus years at this point <laughs> with, with a group of friends. Um, so I, that was going to take a top spot. But the thing that came along and did push it out uh, was Alan Wake 2. Oh, um, wow. Alan Wake 2 is an astounding combination of media. Like, to make live action work in the way that they did blows my mind. It is so seamlessly integrated. It is used in such a... what's the, Whatever the opposite of the uncanny valley is. The the, mm. the canny mountain. It's the canny mountain <laughs> yeah. of, 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 of integration to where it did not throw me off for a beat because it made so much sense within the world. And then narratively what is going on with this two-hander story I thought was fantastic. I mentioned this briefly when we were talking about RE4 Remake. I like that it aped like this modern Resident Evil kind of feel in inventory management. It mm-hmm. works so like going pure horror, not just aesthetically, but borrowing elements from, you know, the number one survival horror franchise of all time was a wise move to do. Each of the individual stories between Alan and Saga is great. Or yeah, between Alan and Saga, those are great. It's confusing to say story and then saga in the same yes. sentence. But anyways, um, uh, and by the way, her name is Saga for a reason, folks, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, so, loved that. Um, and also, uh, like, like the mechanic of the, the writer's room, uh, like, so smart. You know, Saga's is also pretty cool, but it's kind of just, a, it's more so about narration until, like, the climax. But the way Alan can literally rewrite levels, I think, is fantastic. And then that sort of, like, um, conclusion of like sort of a re-examination of the loop he's caught in and and what is actually going on is I think just such a smart little twist that I cannot wait to see elaborated on. Um, This game alone has made me more excited for Control 2, which is in the same universe but not a direct sequel, Mm. but just seeing what they did here has me so excited for what they could do there and it's genuinely just like, I'm, I'm in awe of what I was playing. I literally like paused for a moment with my mouth agape the first time I went into the, um... Uh, it's going to be bad that I can't... Uh, the overlap. Because of mm-hmm. visually, they, they represent that the first time where the live action is overlaid atop of the gameplay in, in such a way that I just thought... It was astounding. Like, I, I I can't give it enough praise for bringing together gameplay, writing, music, art design, graphics, soundtrack. Every aspect of this game, every department brought their A-game, and it's, it's an absolute masterpiece. Steve Guntley, what is your game of the year for 2023? 
Uh, yeah, well, I think you guys are going to be covering a lot of the really big like AAA games that I loved this year. So I just wanted to shine a light on a smaller game that really kind of took my breath away. Uh, it's a game called Chance of Sinar. Uh, it is a really clever, like really beautiful sort of puzzle game. It's a linguistic puzzle game where you're walking around like this Tower of Babel and you need to learn a couple of distinct languages and like build out your le- uh, your lexicon so you can huh. help barter peace between the different inhabitants of the different layers of the tower. It's it's like a little bit of like journey meets a little bit of return of the Oberdin. It's got all kinds of that energy. Like I, I really love that game. Neat. Um, What's it called? Sounds again? like an old Republic style Jedi mission. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit. You're <laughs> just interpreting runes. It's really spherical. It's called Chance of Sinar. That's S E N A A R. Uh, that should be on Steam. Definitely worth checking out. Cool. And where can people check out more of you again? Oh, absolutely. You can find my shows, uh, Cinemarcade. That's the podcast about movies and video games. Uh, we watch a movie and then play the game based on it. Uh, and I'm also on the show Puppet Masters Castle Freaks. That's a show all about Charles Band and his uh, weird universe of B-movies, everything from Puppet Master to Reanimator and uh, beyond. And that, uh, both of those you can find uh, on iTunes, on Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Jared. All right. Thanks again. Chris Baker, what is your personal game of the year for 2023 yeah it's 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 a tough uh tough call for me between the two games you probably would (laughs) guess from a guy like me between uh jedi survivor and spider-man 2 i think i think i'm gonna have to give just a slight edge to spider-man 2 which i played a little bit longer and um you know both I, i love both incredibly and i have very nitpicky narrative things for, for both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to the Spider-Man spoiler cast, I got into some of that there. I did not get into Jedi Survivor's ones here because we're not spoiling, but uh, ask me on social media or something. I still uh, think, I, th- I think Jedi Survivor is the more improved sequel just because... That's probably true. Eh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man I, I was really so good. The first too, Spider-Man really was good. so good and Miles Morales was so good. Yeah. There wasn't much that needed improving upon and there were there were some glaring things to address in um you know fallen order but yeah yeah i'm with you yeah you know ask me a different day i might say fallen order and and you know having talked about it with you guys it 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 actually made it a harder harder to say spider-man 2 but i think Mm. at the end of the day i have to go with that one and once again where can people find your work you can uh, find uh, the Scorpion scorpionvader.com for my Ooh. Star Wars book. You can go to superhero.vg for my uh, videos about Star... Well, there's some Star Wars video games there, but there, it's mostly superhero video games. I uh, haven't had a whole lot there this year. But no, no, no one's... What was that but, stupid fucking... You dug up that weird Star Wars game that is just a silly puzzle. One yes. puzzle. God, yeah, the, the Ewoks and Droid. One. Oh, is that it's, what it is? It's four Star Wars games that are that are the uh, <laughs> the secret worst Horrifying. Star Wars games of all time. Like you know, people say like uh, I don't know, Bombad Racing and stuff like that. No, no, it's, no, no, no. That's that is pure gold compared to <laughs> MSX games that only came out in Spain. Jesus, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Even the actiony ones looked horrifying yes where the stress mm-hmm. episode two yeah and then i'm still hanging out on the, the twitter much you know 
I think we're all, we all have some degree of shame there. Fuck that. I stopped going to that place, man. Uh, I mean, that that's just where still where more people are still. Yeah. It's where it seems where like, more people going are. going on to Blue Sky. Blue Sky is mostly people complaining about Twitter. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> I noticed that about Twitter Bisky Twitter is as also well. mostly people complaining about Twitter, but at least yeah, there's some weird. jokes in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Twitter's like, Tell people saying go to my blue sky, which right. you know is at sea bake there for me, uh, uh, with all the mm-hmm. extra but whatever blue sky puts on an at, you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's me, Woody Siskowski. What is your game of the year for 2023? Well, it's been a year of moving and transition for me, so I have not quite set up the gameplay space that I've can settle down in um i think dave the diver was the game that i sort of clicked and engaged the most with because it allowed me to play in short bursts we're finally at the at the stage where uh most of the new games are coming up on consoles that i haven't made the dive into yet um so (laughs) as far as 2023 i gotta give it to dave the diver and uh is there anything you would like to plug or direct people to um well, I was a guest on uh, my friend Scott's podcast on roguelikes oh. called Grog Pod, G-R-O-G-P-O-D, and I talked about Enter the Gungeon and Dead Cells, two Ooh. games that I played a lot of this year, even though they're certainly old at this point. Nice. And uh, I'll, yeah, I'll plug so. Wii Universe in... Um... Yeah. Ultra 64. Really I really appreciate shows. you plugging things that happened in the past. Chris. We, we <laughs> all Whatever, everyone should listen to them. They're fantastic. Yeah, yeah they're all still. We out had there. a lot of fun participating in those. You guys are real fun to listen to. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, we're Thank gonna you, we're going to record a little bit this year. I think. Oh, cool. oh yeah. like, well, the, yeah. We, day, the, I, this I, coming year. Steve Steve has a podcast uh, talking about video game movies, and I there was there was one specific one I requested to be on. So. Oh, and I'm uh, I'm exciting. very excited to hear why. So yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, thank you again, Johnny Brandon. What is your personal game of the year for 2023? I am going to say it's Alan Wake Two. It's a, it's my hey. favorite game. It's just incredible. All right, we've talked we've talked a lot about it. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And where can people hear more of you? Once again. Uh, you can find me on all the podcast apps on Square Roots, where we do a game club playing through a RPG a junk at a time. Right now, we're playing Final Fantasy One uh, and Bears and Games. Right, I've been doing sort of retrospectives on old open world games and ranking them, oh, and cool. I love that kind of dead genre now. Well, it's coming back mm. to GTA, but <laughs> those two thousands open world is games. is Bears and Games going to tackle Baldur's Gate three at all? You know, I, I think a, it has to at some there's point. There's quite, quite wonderful bear moments in it. <laughs> <laughs> They're white hot guard hairs. Mm, <laughs> All right. And uh, George Albor, what is your personal game of the year for 2023? You, you know, I wish I had like a hot take or something like out of left field that would be surprising, but it's Baldur's Gate 3. I mm. That mm. game... I, I'm a huge D&D fan, and not just 5th edition. I play a ton of different kinds of D&D and have since I was a kid. This is the game that most captures that experience and is respectful of your time and respectful mm, of yes. the investment you make into the stories that these games provide. Uh, and it's fully aware of it. And God, you just you got to show respect for people that understand that. Like They just understand how these stories are told. Exquisite. Mm-hmm. And that they they thought to script all those possibilities into the mm-hmm. game, like it it boggles yep. the mind. Like how did you, how did humans 
uh, find the time to create this much content that a lot of players are never going to see. Yeah, yeah. Because so much That's of it's dependent on die rolls or like, oh, I just thought to do this random thing. Oh, hey, it worked. How about that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's so many accidental amazing moments, right? Like, which is what D&D is all about. Like, you don't figure out what you're going to do you just do it and then the world reacts and that's that's it yeah it's great and once again where can people find you you can find me podcasting at experience points that's wherever you find podcasts cool i find podcasts at walmart under under uh (laughs) the shelves sometimes those are going to be older episodes that you're going to find but (laughs) we're like seven i think we're at 723 episodes wow damn congratulations i went to two walmarts this week and they both have PS4 kiosk and no PS5 <laughs> representation at all. <laughs> Man, maybe maybe you've time traveled like Alan Wade. <laughs> it felt like it. But Wal- Walmarts will do that. Oh, uh, oh, look at that. John Cusack is still a star. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who participated and answered and joined us for this. It's been a lot of fun. If you haven't yet answered our question of the week, what is your personal game of the year? We want to hear from you. Go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or ping us on Twitter, Threads. Or Blue Sky, Bisky, as we like to call it, at VG Apocalypse. And we will read the answers again on the first show of the new year. Once again, patreon.com slash laser time. If you want to find out how we decided the order for this show and for next week's show, you will get a rare insight into our thought process. You will get to hear two hours, almost unedited, of us just yattering back and forth. Uh, it's, horse it's already training. edited. It's it's on the patron, Patreon waiting. You could hack the Patreon and get Don't. access to the show if you what? so chose. Don't encourage them, man. <laughs> it, is, what? it is scheduled and ready to go. It's going to hit the day after our final top five show yeah. hit. So it's going to hit it, that Saturday. In addition to over 100 bonus shows, full-length commentaries, exclusive videos, and our recent apocalypse guide in with chris baker about spider-man 2 that's right and the only way you get access to all of that glorious content is by subscribing at the five dollars or more level per month at patreon.com slash laser time the ordering the ordering look for it that's been our show thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week Yeah. <laughs>